What's up, everybody? Welcome to That's Entertaining, your weekly podcast about all things entertaining. Movies, television, video games, comics, and everything else we find to be entertaining. I'm Justin Pickard, one of your hosts, and of course, joining me is the man who invented cyanide himself, Nathan Thomas. You looked into my back history that far? Man, you know, okay, so when I first invented cyanide, it wasn't supposed to be anything that killed you. It was really supposed to be a weight loss measure that burned away weight, but we see what happened there. Yeah, well, you were close enough. Um, You can join the great ranks of uh, hydroxycut and uh, ephedrine or whatever. Uh, You're you're on the... you're an award winner, you know, for your <laughs> inventions. So yeah. we'll leave it at that. Great. I that that's a that's a lovely award. But thank you. Yes. And I think we're gonna be talking about your invention uh later in this episode, so I'm very excited for that. Yeah, and one of the unintended side effects if it doesn't work quite well, right? <laughs> yes. So that'll be a, a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. So Alright, well let's get into what I've been entertained by this week. Um it's been a very busy week for me this week. Uh Wedding's only two weeks away, or two and a half weeks now, so very excited. You know, we're going down to southern Florida, so, and it is cold as crap here in Michigan. Perfect time uh, of year to go down to Florida. Yeah, we had, I think one, one we had a negative 10 this week we were under, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it's a good time to be thinking warm thoughts and thinking about Florida and get my tan on we're at least above freezing now here in illinois yeah we uh we yeah we're actually up to like in the 20s 30s now so i can't complain as much anymore but i uh we powered through the coldness (laughs) but so wedding excitement uh of course with along with the weather comes uh car issues i have car issues every year i mean i've got a brand new car this year but now it's my uh fiance's car her car broke down. I've had to deal with that this week. You know, everyone knows how, if it's not one car, if you have two vehicles in the family, it's always one car or the other. We all know that. It's a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these days, I'm just going to buy a jetpack and fly <laughs> to work every day. Boba Fett so, that way in. Absolutely. So, I've uh, been dealing with that this week and just busy at work. Busy, busy, busy. But I have been doing some fun things, watching some TV and I've been planning some uh, pretty fun stuff. Um, Founders Brewery. Have you heard of them? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's lo- right here local in uh, Grand Rapids. So um, I've had, you know, Founders nearby all my life. Uh, they just had a release date for their famous uh, Kentucky breakfast stout. Ah. I've heard, I've heard about this. I haven't ever had that. But uh, one of my buddies who also is into beer... He told me about that before, and it's really limited to get. It's really hard. Yeah, so I've I've never had it either, and in the last year, I've actually gotten more and more into my craft beers. So this is the first year where I'm actually going to try to get tickets. So the way it works is you they have a release day, release date, and they have a um, pre-order date, and that's uh, going to be February fourteenth. And I'm not going to give a time because I don't want any of our listeners jumping ahead of me. <laughs> but uh basically on that on the day that you can start pre-ordering you go online and you order tickets it's uh i think it's five dollars a ticket and the proceeds the ticket proceeds go to a charity um but with a ticket you have 
each ticket you buy, you have a right to buy up to eight bottles of KBS. Nice. So, uh, me and some buddies at work, we're all planning on getting online right at the time, ordering as much as possible, and then sharing amongst each other. So. And then you're also going to send one down south to your buddy that records the podcast with, right? Very possible. <laughs> yeah, it is very possible. So, as long as I, as long as I get some maybe uh, premium bourbon in return. So. <laughs> that could be arranged. Yes. Um, so, very excited for that, and we're actually going to a brewery tomorrow morning to uh, try out some new beers. Uh, so, excited. Getting into the beer scene lately. I'm excited about that. Nice. Which brewery are you going to tomorrow? Uh, there's a brewery, local brewery called Hopcat in Grand Rapids. They don't, I think they really only, uh, serve locally. Um, you can barely find their beers in stores around Grand Rapids. So, but they, beyond brewing their own beer, they carry, I think they say like 30 something craft beers from around Michigan and beyond. That's cool. So, but they're releasing their own two beers tomorrow and it's their anniversary. So, and they're giving away free fries, uh, crack fries to be precise. Crack so, fries? What's, yeah. What is a crack fry? Um, well, you know how crack is very addictive and <laughs> delicious, uh-huh. and you just want to, you know, uh, rub it all over your lips and nose and smell it, and crack's delicious, right? Um, <laughs> so, we all, so Dave Chappelle says. Yes, exactly. And um, I, I've actually never had crack fries. I have a... I have a um, confession to make but everyone says they're the best they're as good as crack and uh that's what the their restaurant portion of the brewery is famous for so they're serving beers and giving away uh crack fries so we're gonna go down there and have some fun and enjoy the celebration is it literally called crack fries oh yeah if you look on the menu it's called crack fries <laughs> crack fries or loaded crack fries wow interesting <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun uh, day. So right. now, do they always have cracked fries available? They're just giving them away tomorrow. Yeah, they're always a menu item, but uh, tomorrow, just in celebration of the beer, they're giving away uh, a order of cracked fries for every customer. The first taste is free, right? right. <laughs> exactly, and then you just keep coming. Weird how that works <laughs> out. So excited for that! That's what I've been doing uh, you know, on the social front. Uh, as far as TV and movies, I have not been watching a lot, except for our uh, discussion this week. I have really only been watching Friends on Netflix, unfortunately. <laughs> well, fortunately, actually. So, I've been watching a lot of Friends with a fiancé. She's actually getting into it. Uh, you know, same thing I said before. It's something to put on. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, quite a few games this week been playing still sticking with far cry 4 trying to finish it out i'm still probably only like halfway i you know i'm addicted to just doing getting all the collectibles and doing all the side missions so still working my way through that and besides that i've been enjoying the ps plus games of this month uh the swapper which i mentioned it last week but i want to talk about a little bit more this week because this is a really cool game so it's a 2D uh, puzzle platformer. And the puzzles involve you cloning yourself up to four times. So you can place clones on the screen, and as you move, all your clones move with you. 
Uh, and the puzzles are fun. They're very, you know, it's fun to find, you know, it's challenging. And, you know, I always get excited when I figure out the puzzle. Because you kind of go room to room. And usually each room has a puzzle to solve. And uh, they get complicated where you're, you know, you're jumping and uh, cloning yourself above yourself to move. It's very crazy. But uh, the most interesting interesting part of it to me is actually the setting because you're kind of walking through this empty base and um there's one other mysterious figure that you keep seeing and she's trying to it's a female she's trying to explain to you what happened at the base but she's not making any sense and you can tell she's a little little crazy Mm -hmm. and um besides that there's also talking rocks everywhere rocks uh yeah so I I'm I'm in the very beginning stages of this game I I think still, but every once in a while you're going through a puzzle and you walk past these uh weird looking rocks, and they have messages for you. It's like they're they're speaking to you. And uh, I haven't quite figured out what that's all about. I think it's something like uh, maybe they're an weird alien race or you know it's very sci-fi ish like, and it's the kind of sci-fi that really makes you think about. Um, what's going on? Cause I mean that that stuff's weird, and you also looking at journal entries, and uh, some of the journal entries are journal entries are interesting because they're kind of talking about the the ramifications of um this cloning technology. Because you can create clones, but you can also switch your consciousness between the different clones, mm-hmm. which you know it kind of it seems like it might be like kind of knocking on the door of well are you kill are you just killing your previous self then when the clones die because that you know the clones die a lot when you know the ones that's not your current consciousness so it's very interesting like uh you know kind of these hypothetical situations and i love sci-fi like that you know uh i think it's fun to think about cloning and stuff like that so i'm really digging this game right now cool uh, I think it's on PlayStation platforms and Steam, I believe. So, been playing a lot of that, and then I actually just uh, tried out PS Now last night, actually. Uh, so PS Now released, uh, came out of beta this Tuesday. Uh, you know they started the subscription plan, but you can still do uh, per game rentals, and I uh, I got a free seven day trial. So with my seven day trial, I decided to try out the first Uncharted game. So I am working my way through that actually on PS Now, and I have no complaints with PS Now. Cool. So with um, the maintenance and the down that they had was it yesterday or the day before, yeah. uh, was that a, did that affect the? Were you able to play during that time? Uh, I played mostly at night, and from what I've gathered, it seemed like the outages were in the morning. Okay. And usually, and usually when they do planned maintenance, it's like in the middle of the morning, you know, two to six in the morning or something. So I wasn't affected by uh, any of that stuff. So luckily, um, the service seemed to perform just fine. It's a little hard with a game, you know. Uncharted is probably eight years old now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure, but I mean, it's a, it's an old game, so it's almost a little hard to tell if the game looks outdated or if it's uh you know poor streaming quality um but i mean i think it's just the game because the models seem really um 
you know, they're nowhere near as detailed as, you know, you look at Last of Us or, oh, yeah. as, you know, even, you know, Uncharted 3. But, uh, I mean, I'm having, I had a lot of fun. I got kind of hooked onto it, that game last night and probably played like four or five chapters. So I will continue that. I'll, uh, I probably will drop the subscription and just pick up this game alone. Because I think I can pick it up for like eight bucks for over a month. Yeah. Which is way better deal, you know, and it's the only game I'm gonna be using the service for for now. Are the other Uncharted's on there, or is it just the first one? That's the frustrating part. Is right now it's just the first one, so I'm hoping that they're gonna look at the data of how many people are maybe checking out Uncharted on the service, and hopefully they'll add the other two. Cause ugh, there's no reason not to include them. I mean, there's other updated you know other games that came out only two years ago that are on the service so it's not that they're looking at a release date or something they're constrained by that they're the release dates on some of these games are all over the place you know from the beginning of the ps3 era or to the end of the ps3 era they're all on there but they only have the first uncharted game so i i would really hope they fix that preferably by the time i finish uh this first one because mm-hmm. it'll really suck if i can't play the next two yeah I've only played the first one. I have uh, the other two, but uh, I got not very far into the second, but I remember enjoying the first one, and I liked the the music for it. Uh, the Nathan Drake character is, is fun to play as, too, so I need I need to get around to playing the second and third of that series. Yeah, I'm, I enjoyed it quite a bit, so yeah, I kind of wanted to see. You know, I played Last of Us when I got my PS4, and uh, I think it's the first Naughty Dog game I've played since Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> so uh, I was kind of curious to go back and see what... Because, I mean, they were always a big name with PlayStation, but I think the Uncharted series kind of put them up on this like new level because um, they moved into realistic games. So I was kind of curious to see what started that whole movement. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm enjoying it. PS Now seems to be working fine. That's good. Good to hear. Yep, and then uh, that's about it for games, uh, except for the two games that uh, we uh, I'll be watching Sunday, uh, <laughs> and that would be the NFL playoffs. What did you think of the last week? Uh, so I know last week you didn't want to talk about uh, the outcome <laughs> of the Detroit Lions game. How how did you like the karma the karma of the Dallas Cowboy game? Uh yeah, I <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny, um, cheeky. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I mean, as a Lions fan, as a longtime Lions fan, I'm also a longtime hater on uh, Green Bay, so um, you could say I'm drinking the haterade <laughs> on uh, Green Bay, so I wasn't happy to see them win, but uh, yeah, it was fun, uh, good games, Yeah. so I, I think that's the biggest thing to come out from these playoffs, is that there's some good games. Next, or Sunday's games are going to be great, I mean... Both of those, the NFC and the AFC championship games, I think, have the potential to be really good games. Yeah. I, of course, so, of course, with, uh, you know, me hating, I'm hoping Seattle wins. Uh, I am a big Russell Wilson fan, too, so I'd like to see him uh, just keep winning because he's, like, he, you know, he's a quiet, he's not a cocky quarterback. He's not out there a lot. He, he, he's the kind of quarterback that kind of just goes out there and does his job. Yeah. He does have some teammates that I can't say the same about, but, um, mm. uh, i.e., uh, Mr. Sherman. But, um, uh, nonetheless, I'd like to see them win. 
Uh, in fact, I'm gonna predict. I I'm I'm positive they are gonna win because Green Bay is a garbage team with a garbage quarterback, and that's all that <laughs> will uh, be of them. And of course, so after we're done with that, um, I would like to see uh, Indiana, um, Indianapolis uh, win over New England, or Indianapolis. Sorry, um, win over New England. I'm not a big Tom Brady fan either, so. Uh, he's had his heyday. He's getting he's getting old. Uh, I'd like to see the new uh, new quarterbacks get in there and win some games. Yeah. So those are my predictions: Seattle over Green Bay, and uh, the Colts over the Patriots. Those are those are pretty good. I mean, when I look at those two games, they're going to be hard games to call, really, because I've been I've been giving this some thought all week. You know, which which teams I think are going to win because the both of these games are, are tough to call. I know, um, I think the Vegas uh, Vegas split is calling Seattle by seven, and I think New England by six and a half or something like that. But uh, I would actually prefer to see Green Bay over Seattle, although I think that Seattle will win. Um, and not because I'm a Green Bay fan or anything, uh, but Seattle had their chance. They were at the Super Bowl last year. Uh, they won, so let's see someone else, right? Um, I don't uh, don't especially have any uh, any ill feelings towards either team or anything, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the game overall. I think it'll be great. It has the potential to to go into you know actually probably go into overtime because whenever they typically play, they're always within a score. You know uh, that I think the last time they played. Um, when Golden Tate had that reception that some people thought wasn't a reception, some people thought was. I think that was, again, within a touchdown because that's the call that put them in the win. Um, but anyway, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Again, I would like to see the Packers win, um, but either one I'll be fine with, honestly. Um, and as far as the AFC game, again, I would like to see Indianapolis win. Um, but I think the smart money is on New England winning that game. So I would prefer to see Indianapolis go in there with Andrew Luck and the quarterback, uh, being able to go in and, and at least get to a Super Bowl. This is his, what, second or third year in the, in the league? I think second, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, second or third. Yeah, it might be second. Yeah. Uh, I believe so. I would like, I would like to see, um, him win too, but yeah. I would prefer to see them over the Patriots in the Super Bowl because, I mean, I don't know how many in the Super Bowl in the past, you know, 10 years uh, the Patriots have been in, probably at least five. Yeah. It'd be nice just for variety's sake uh, to see another another team in the bowl. Um, but, again, that's going to be a good game too. Um, and I, I am going to be cheering for the Indianapolis Colts. That's right, buddy. All right, well, now that we're done with the football hour, uh, (laughs) what have you been entertained by in the last week? So, in the last week, I haven't, you know, I've I've just been working on other things that really aren't very entertaining at all, but (laughs) I do have uh, a light bit of uh, entertainment stuff that I've been uh, checking out. So, I don't know if you are familiar with this show or not, but my wife enjoys it. It's called Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I've never watched, I've never seen a single episode, um, 
But I mean, I, I think it's one of those weird shows where it's like it's from a weird network and it looks a little boring, but like everyone seems to love it. So uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'd like to hear what you uh, think about it. So I mean, it's it's an okay show. It's got some interesting story. Um, actually, uh, the acting is pretty spot on. The humor is it's good. I mean, it overall show the acting is all great. You have to. There is, like, no action in the show at all. It's just all dialogue and just the interplay between all the people in the show. But uh, my wife really likes it, so we watch that. Um, and uh, this is, I think, the fifth or fourth season of that show. Um, I've bought my wife the Blu-rays of the rest of them, so she has those and she watches them every now and then. Um, and I'll be buying her the Blu-ray for this one, too, because it comes out, I think, next... Not next week, the week after... And the show uh, just aired the second episode, so she'll be able to watch, actually, the whole season uh, before it actually airs. So it's kind of weird, because it's a British show. Uh, after it airs in the BBC, it kind of goes through the um, the process of making the, you know, the home video offering. And then while we're watching it here in the, in the States, which is after it's aired over there, obviously, for some time, uh, then it's, it's quicker to buy the Blu-ray over here, so... Uh, I know she'll be uh, looking forward to that, uh, being able to watch the rest of that. Um, Parks and Rec, that's uh, that show I like. It's on NBC. Uh, this is its final season. It's back now. Uh, it just started on, I think it was Tuesday or maybe Wednesday when they came back. But uh, do you watch that show at all? Uh, yeah, I've seen a. Uh, I watched a couple seasons on Netflix. Um, really hilarious show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, we both love Guardians of the Galaxy, and I th- I think that show is really Chris Pat found his legs as an actor and, mm-hmm. um, you know, gained popularity. So, hilarious show. Yeah, I, I haven't, I'm not caught up. Uh, I still have a few seasons to go on Netflix, but I think I'll probably pick, I don't know, I'll probably just wait until next year to get, um, uh, this last season on Netflix or something. But, yeah, hilarious show. Always makes me laugh. Yeah, it it was a good uh, good episode. Actually, it was a back to back, so it was two episodes uh, that they aired um, to bring it back in, and it was in twenty seventeen, so it was set in the future for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that it it makes sense. It all worked out pretty well, uh, and again, it, it's a good show. Um, it's one of those that I'm sad to see it go, but I know it's it's time for it to go. Uh, so this being its last season, it'll be. I'm sure it'll be excellent, and everybody will be like, oh, come on, give us more. But that's the nature of the beast, right? When a TV show has overstated its welcome, nobody likes it. Everybody hates it. Um, but when a TV show is in its prime or, you know, just after, uh, people just want to keep going. But I'm I'm glad that they're going to be able to end it on their own terms and to be able to take their own way out. There's been a lot of TV shows that I've enjoyed that have been just canceled um, that or maybe get one or two episodes to tell the ending or the remaining of the story. Um, but I'm glad that even though Parks and Rec isn't a huge you know, story show, uh, that they'll be able to complete that in the way that they want to. So looking forward to uh, watching that as it airs this season. Um, and other than that, the only other thing I've watched is Star Wars Rebels. Um, and again, we kind of chatted about this, I think, a little bit last week. Um, that uh, it's a great show. I definitely recommend that to any Star Wars fan. Um, and this one was really good. I don't want to spoil anything, um, 
but I don't feel like this is a spoiler because it's been everywhere. Uh, Lucasfilm has announced it. StarWars.com has had it blasted on their Facebook page here and left. So they've been using it in promotional things. So I'll just go ahead and say that Lando shows up in this episode. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting because I think there's a big cry for, you know, maybe Lando showing up in the movies. So I think it's kind of funny that uh, he's in the cartoon show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was nice to see him. And it was voiced by Billy D. Williams. Okay. Um, so it was just a great episode. Uh, it was actually probably one of my favorites uh, of the of the run so far. There there have been a lot of a lot of good episodes on that show. I definitely recommend it if you guys haven't seen it um, to give it a go. Uh, like I said, I I purchased the season on Amazon Instant Video, so I get it uh, the Tuesday after it airs. It airs on a Monday. Uh, I get it that following Tuesday to watch it, but it's definitely worth uh, seeking out and watching. So that's really all on that side of things that I've been entertained by. But there is something else. Uh, so we've been kind of light on the comics up until now. Um, but that's going to change. Because starting this week on Wednesday, they released the new Star Wars line of comics from Marvel. Um, and they're beginning a whole new, um, whole new run. And this is actually considered canon now. So anything that's written uh, in this series will be considered uh cinematic canon so episode seven could reference events in the comics um things like that so when disney uh took uh lucasfilm everything that was like expanded universe before became legends so that way you know it's kind of like a clean slate almost for the the people who are making new content they're not tied down to anything um but they're able to actually you know write their own content uh, and make things from from scratch, as it were. So uh, this comic is set after uh, episode four, and it's uh, it's a great read. And I'm actually thinking I'm going to do a little something different this week. How would you like to hear a little mini review? If you give me the mini review in that sultry voice, uh, I would absolutely love it. Uh, no, I would love to hear about. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun to you know, and maybe as you uh, go through some of these comics, get a little uh, taste of what they're like and uh, how you think they are. You know, especially if I was to, even if I was to read, um, you know, you start reading Star Wars comics, I would have nothing to base it on. You know, as far as comics go. Um, Maybe I'd be able to talk about a book in a more uh, reviewy way, but you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on these comics. So uh, please enlighten us. Well, I'm not going to give you the sultry voice the entire time. But oh. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, I do want to say to any of the listeners that if you are worried about spoilers, you're going to read it on your own. Um, if you look at the metadata on the actual episode, I'm going to put uh, when I am done talking about this so that way you can just skip ahead um and get past uh, this little discussion so that way if you don't want to be spoiled on any of the details you won't be so uh, with that being said this will include spoilers for the first issue of star wars uh, by marvel released on wednesday and 
it's it's not going to be a long review. It's not going to be oh the, you know the, the drawing on this cell was you know comparable to this cell in this other book, but my overall impression. Let's just go with the look of the comic, um, the actual cover, uh, and the writing. Uh, the I mean the storyline. We'll, we'll kind of just go at those angles because. I, I read a lot of comics digitally these days, and it's hard for me to kind of just look at the full package. Um, this comic I bought physically. I actually bought two versions. Um, I bought a, a traditional cover and one of the variant covers, the Hasbro variant, um, that actually has an over-the-shoulder view from the Emperor pointing out over to uh, Darth Vader, who's also flanked by Stormtroopers. Um, so it's a pretty cool uh, variant cover that we got. I'm I, I I like it. It was enough for me to to go ahead and get two copies of the of the book. But the nice thing was is that included with this book was a digital version uh, of the app of the comic, and I was able to read that in my Comicsology app, which I've talked about before. So that takes you cell by cell, um, and actually gives you the events or the drawings when you're supposed to see them. So it it kind of goes in line. And from the first cell, it it just it started out with the classic Star Wars logo, and it goes into the crawl. And in the crawl, it just kind of says, you know, that this is after the events of Episode Four. So Luke Skywalker has destroyed the Death Star at this point, and uh, it's it really felt like a movie because it had that opening crawl and the the opening of Star Wars. You could almost hear in your head the Star Wars theme playing when you saw the Star Wars logo and then when you saw the uh, the actual crawl uh, being rendered there on the page and they call this one Skywalker Strikes so it's a, a kind of cool little title but it opens up uh, them going into one of the moons um, of Corellia uh, which is actually where Han Solo is from uh, they're at Simoon 1 is where they actually land at uh, again, the the opening drawing shows this this uh, ship coming down over almost a junk planet, as it would seem, and it it shows the ship landing uh, and meeting some Imperials who are going to be doing some negotiations, and then out walks the, a group of people, and it doesn't show you who it is at first. It's just the footsteps. It's the um, it's the the legs is what they show you at first, and then it shows you a picture of Han Solo walking down uh, the, the ramp, flanked by two guards from Jabba's Palace. You remember them. Uh, they looked like Land Lando looked in Episode 6, how he was disguised when he was in Jabba's Palace. Oh, yeah. And then R2-D2 is also uh, coming down there with him, too. So R2 is, again, everywhere and knows everything that's happening in the Star Wars universe. So, Did, um, was there a... Uh illustration of young r2d2 flying around with his uh, jetpack that he uh we all know he has now uh in this one he was just rolling he was oh, just okay. rolling on there he wasn't flying okay he, good he was to hear being low-key you know okay. just uh just being himself not saving the world yet exactly. the universe, sorry exactly he's not sa saving the universe quite yet but uh so Han introduces himself to the Imperial Guard that he's going to be uh, actually talking to with the negotiations, and then they're asked to hand over their blasters and all their weapons, and he says, okay, that's fine. Everybody hands over all their blasters. But then it shows a, a picture of Chewie, 
Chewie is looking through a, a scope at Han and the other officer uh, up in a, we assume, just some sort of tower a ways away. Um, and it shows Chewie there just watching over him. And so he's going to provide any cover. And then just before they all walk in, it's it shows a, a close-up shot of one of the people that are in disguise there. And you can kind of tell it's got feminine features. Uh, and she says, you know, to, on her radio, hold your positions, we're going in. Um, so you, you were to, I, would, I assumed when I first read it that that was Princess Leia uh, at that point. And so then when I saw that, I assumed the other person was obviously Luke. Uh, which he ends up being later on. But uh, during this whole time, uh, they appear to have earpieces, and talking to them is none other than C-3PO. Obviously, talking their ear off when they can't really respond to him because they're being escorted by Imperials into this factory. So um, so Han goes in there under the guise that he is negotiating for Jabba the Hutt, um, but... The Imperials have other ideas. What's actually going to be happening here is they're going to be telling their terms, and then uh, he'll take those back to Java. That's the assumption that the Imperials have. There's not going to actually be any negotiating. So it goes from there. Uh, they're talking in the uh, in this plant uh, or a factory, and it looks like they're creating Tie Fighters in this factory. Um, and this Imperial says that they're going to be waiting in this room. For the negotiator to arrive. So the negotiator hasn't arrived yet uh, to talk with them. So until then, they said that they weren't going to negotiate. It was just going to be given their terms, right? R2, or there's a this great little shot of Han, this this great drawing of him. Um, and he says, you know, remember how you said there weren't going to be any negotiations? We aren't here to negotiate. And he calls R2. And then R2, it shows the cell of him. And he's got this green goo that's coming out of him. And... Han gives him this look, and he's like, uh, R2? And the Imperial says that your droid appears to be leaking fluids. So it's, just, it's a great little uh, cell here, a great little shot. Um, and so you, you kind of try to figure out what's going on here. But on the next scene, there's a, a great uh, full picture of the little uh, zapper that R2 has. You might remember that from when he was on Dagobah, and Yoda was, uh, you know, he was zapping Yoda to get away. Yeah. So it shows a little close-up shot of that. And then there are stormtroopers that are around there that all get shocked, and they're all knocked unconscious because whatever this was that he shocked knocked them all out. And then, obviously, the other two people that were disguised with Han uh, kick out a couple of their stormtroopers and knock them out. And then the the Imperial that was there says, What kind of envoy are you? What kind of negotiator are you? And then it goes to a shot of the big three, in the center, it has Han pointing his blaster. To his right is Leia smacking someone off. And then to his left is Luke looking at the Imperial. And then Han says the line, the rebellious kind. So mm. it's it's a, a nice little scene there. Uh, and then, you know, the Imperial officer always is obviously noticing that they're rebels. And that, you know, you can't they can't possibly escape this factory because they're there. Uh, and everybody's out. So then they have to run into the power core to, to figure out how to shut this building down. And so they run down, and there is a nice little shot of the Falcon, because R2 is, or not R2, C-3PO is based in the Falcon at this point. Uh, and he is 
gives this line, I'm just going to read it. Uh, if I may say so, Captain Solo, I do find it rather disconcerting that your vessel continues to be so easily mistaken for garbage. Because hmm. it's, it's this great little shot of the Falcon just in with other garbage. Uh, it's it's a great work of art right there. If I could just get that picture in that cell and just mount it, it's I, I love that shot. <laughs> um, so so C three PO is manning the Falcon obviously at this point, and everybody else is all in there. And they're inside. They find the central power station. They go to shut it off. They tell R two to to get it uh, to get it in there. And Han asks Luke to you know keep on the lookout. Keep an eye open and, and, and see what's coming up. But he says, you know, your eyes can deceive you. A, a true Jedi can feel the force flowing through him. So he's not using his eyes to f- find out what's happening. He's trusting in the force to see what's going on. And he hears uh, through the force someone saying, you know, help us, calling out. And so he goes down and he sees all these slaves that are actually locked up uh, that need to be rescued before they blow the, the place up, obviously. So... He goes and he frees them, and they're going to follow him. But before they do, there's some sort of slave master that comes up, and he goes up to Luke, you know, tells him to get away from the cages unless you want to be a slave. Uh, who are you? And he lights this, almost like a light whip. Uh, it's this little whip uh, that almost looks like it's a lightsaber, but it's very curvy, very much a whip. Um, and then because of that, uh, he, he gives this line that says, don't reach for a blaster. And then it shows this nice little shot of Luke. And as he says, no, oh, I won't reach for a blaster. And so then it has a couple shots of him uh, grabbing his lightsaber and igniting it. Um, and you see his, his blue lightsaber fighting the, the whip, knocking it down. And then the classic, every Star Wars uh, has to have it. The other guy, his light whip, and a picture of that and his hand just on the floor. <laughs> uh, so obviously his hand's been chopped off with his light whip. Uh, and a good old Wilhelm screen placed in there. So, uh, Luke uses a lightsaber to free the slaves. They're all out of the cage, and he tells them to follow him. Uh, he is in a very heroic pose at that point. Um, and then, in the meantime, it goes back into Han and Leia and R2, and they're uh, rigging the place to blow up. And so, they're looking to see where Han, or where Luke is, and he says, Oh, I found a few more passengers. And so, you see all the slaves there behind him, and everybody needs saved. And then it goes to... Uh, a shot of Han outside that says that the there's an Imperial ship coming in. Um, and this the ship, you know, they're, they're saying the envoy, or not the envoy, the negotiator for the Empire has arrived uh, and to inform the overseer. And let me ask you, who do you think the Empire has sent to negotiate? Um... I mean, I feel like it would be they'd be laying a lot of cards out if we're gonna go like as big as um, a Vader. It is Darth Vader. Oh, okay. Vader comes up, uh, and it go. shows this this nice full frame shot of him, flanked by stormtroopers on either side, and walking away from the storm uh, from the shuttle. So it's a nice little shot there, and I was surprised honestly too to see that it was Vader. I was expecting some other lower level. Because if you're thinking this just takes place, as far as we're concerned, immediately after the destruction of the Death Star, uh, this is like the next adventure they've had. So at, at some point, Vader, you know, he, he came and uh, got picked up by some uh, cruiser or something, and now he's already back in action. So before, you know, 
between episodes three and four, there was the question, was Vader alive? Was he dead? Obviously, this being canon now, we know that there was more going on uh, in between episodes four and five. So, it's it's then goes back into Han talking to Chewie uh, over the intercom, and then he, they all hear that it's Vader. Vader showed up. Did you say Vader? Um, and then he told them to stand down. If they took a shot, the whole fal- uh, facility would be on alert. But then Leia says, are you crazy? If they have a shot at Vader, they have to take him. Killing him is more important than even them or their mission. So it shows a shot. Uh, it shows a picture of Chewie, and it says, Chewie, do you hear me take a shot? He looks very indecisive in the picture. But then he, you know, he does his little roar. And then uh, he's looking through the scope on his sniper. And Vader says that he senses something. And then you see these shots coming at uh, Darth Vader. But then Vader takes his lightsaber and deflects the shot. And then Chewie keeps on firing. Chewie keeps firing at Vader there because he misses him. What do you think Vader does? He doesn't just deflect it all with his lightsaber. No, remember those stormtroopers that were uh, on either side of Vader? He yeah. picks them up and he puts them in between Chewie and him. And yeah. the stormtroopers conveniently stop all the blaster fire. Yeah. So just how the Dark Lord of the Sith would do it. The, the last uh, cell that's looking at uh, Darth Vader there from Chewie's vantage point, all the stormtroopers are down on the ground. Only Vader is standing. Uh, and then it shows Chewie looking through his uh, his thing at Vader's head again. And then it shows Darth Vader reaching out to him, presumably with the Force. And he's he's doing something to pull down the stand that he's on. So Chewie has to jump off and get away. And then he calls it that was a rook, that was a Wookiee, and he sends him after him. Um, so then Vader puts together this is obviously all just a rebel ploy. This is a rebel attack. Put the moon on alert. Um, and they will not escape me again because he senses that, uh, the boy who destroyed the Death Star is there. So, uh, it cuts to a, a picture of Han and he's saying, Hey, we're not in trouble yet. Nobody knows we're here just yet. And then the next cell is the red flashing lights and the alert. This factory is under attack. All guards to their stations. And then Han says, Oh, yep. Now we're in trouble. And then three POs, uh, is told to Take the Falcon off. Go pick him up. But little does C-3PO know that during this time, there were these little creatures dismantling the Falcon, it seems to be, taking pieces away, because when he pressed the button to take off with the autopilot, they wouldn't do anything. So uh, Han tells him to go out and take care of them, uh, and obviously C-3PO's like, oh dear. So it's uh, it's an interesting uh, conundrum to be in when you have to have C-3PO go out and actually clear off or take care of your ship and presumably have to put that stuff back together. I mean, that's not going to happen. So then it cuts back to, uh, the team in the, in the facility and stormtroopers are fighting them. And then it says, they're trying to find a way out of here. What do we do? And then Han Solo sees something. And then the next cell you see is a big, uh, I think there's about four of them here. AT-ATs. So he says, everybody on board, Leia asks, can you drive one of these things? And he says, I can drive anything. Just get on. So shows, obviously, Han still hasn't lost his cockiness. Um, and then it has, shows a shot of Leia before she gets on and says, hey, wait a second, where's Luke? So then it shows the final cells of the comic that we're looking at for this issue. 
and it shows Luke walking down this hallway. And then you see uh, this uh, a bubble that's in blue. And in that bubble is the word Luke. And so then Luke calls out Ben. So obviously that's signifying that Ben is talking to him through the force here again. And he says, Ben, is that you? Darth Vader is here, the man who killed you. I have to face him. I have to end this. And then Ben says, Luke, listen carefully to me. Run. And then that cell you see Vader coming at Luke. Uh, it's a great shot in the comic uh, and a great sentiment to end it on, too. Um, and it has the, the credits there. This, this is a great comic series. I mean, I wasn't 100% sure if I would be into this. But after reading this first comic, I went ahead and subscribed to it because it's only going to be 12 issues for this run. And I really like the art style. I really like the the story that's been portrayed so far. Um, and I've already talked about the cover. The covers are really nice, the, all the variants that are out there. There's over 60, I think, that are out now as far as variant covers. And uh, I don't even know all the qualifications to you know, get all those different variants. But it's really... An awesome, awesome read, and I know you said that you weren't into um, the the Star Wars comics. You wouldn't know where to begin. That's the great thing about this comic. This is a beginning. It it uses a property that you are already familiar with, Star Wars, and it's being written and drawn in a way that's very, I would say, inviting or enticing. And it's not an overly long comic. I mean, I skipped a few parts in this little review, but. Obviously, you could read it in the amount of time that I just uh, gave this review. So it's definitely, I would say, worth looking at. Um, if you're in a local comic shop, you see it on the shelf, just grab it. It's it's the first issue of this great series. Uh, it is available on Marvel's app. It's also available on Comixology. Uh, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone who isn't remotely interested in Star Wars or comics, uh, for that matter. So uh, definitely worth uh, checking out. Yeah, um, sounds it. It does. It sounds like it plays out, and maybe it's because we're also familiar with the uh, Star Wars cinematic, you know, universe. But it sounds like y- while you're reading that, you can imagine it as a movie. Uh huh. So, uh, and I, I like that. I love Star Wars movies, and I can't wait. So, um, maybe I, I, I might, I might think about it. I'm gonna give some more thought, but um, if I want to dive into that, but. Very interesting, nonetheless. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, it sounds like it's, you know... I mean, it, this is a pretty big deal, you know. First comics coming out that are canon uh, for the new um, cine- uh, cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a big deal, and it sounds like they did a good job, you know. So uh, I look forward to hearing what what you think about some of the other issues. And, uh, yeah, I'll think about uh, maybe picking one or two up. Cool. So, uh, I think we're going to jump into some news. This news brought to you by Chocolate Milk. Chocolate Milk, huh? Yep. Actually, no, I don't know why I said that. It's actually brought to you by Cream Soda. Okay. That's, uh, you You had me there for a minute. <laughs> uh, the chocolate I, don't get me wrong, I love chocolate milk. Um, I don't like making my own chocolate milk while we're, t- while we're on the subject. While we're on the topic. I, yeah. I have been on a chocolate milk kick recently. Okay, so. I, I don't blame you. But um, <laughs> now are you talking like store-bought chocolate milk? Or are you talking about like 
buying Hershey's syrup and making your own chocolate milk. Oh, I much prefer pre-made chocolate milk. I okay. don't know. I don't know where you fall on this whole situation, uh, but this is a hot button issue. I mean, it's been on CNN recently. Uh, chocolate milk versus store button versus make your own. It's just been this whole big thing, and you know, I really, really am a fan of buying it in the store and just drinking it out of the carton the way it is you know oh, F- not F- having to make it just pouring it and drinking it absolutely fools who uh, like to drink uh you know make their own syrup and you know mix it all together no that's not what chocolate milk's all about chocolate milk is all about having no worries not have any second thoughts just drinking that delicious chocolate milk right out of the carton or uh gallon or whatever you're drinking it out of it's delicious Oh, so good. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. That was the biggest piece. I mean, I just had to get that off my chest that, you know, <laughs> Obama commented this week about it. And it's just, you know, Putin, he came on the side of being, you know, make his own from Hershey syrup. And I was like, hey, no, I can't. I can't support this guy. I got to support. <laughs> I got to support anybody who says store-bought. Absolutely. Uh, so, all right, well, let's move into some news, some real news. Um so, pretty light news week uh, this week. Um, I think the biggest, uh, some of the biggest things are the Golden Globes are this week, and there was a big, the first Nintendo Direct of the new year. Um, and it was a pretty big Nintendo Direct, so I think we're going to jump into that first. Sure. Yeah, like you said, there's not as much news this week as there was last week, but uh, just some, some you know bullet points of the Nintendo Direct is uh, the new 3DS XL will be launching in February 13th uh, next month in the U.S., and that's going to be um, $200. Yeah. So I'm not sure if, if that price is what you know 3DS is now. I, uh, I, I had a DS a while back. Um, I bought my wife a DS Lite a long time ago, and that's as far as I've gotten as the Nintendo handhelds go. Uh, so I haven't really uh, kept up with the the Nintendo handhelds or any handhelds either because I mean with a smartphone I don't really have a lot of need for a handheld gaming device because any game you want you can pretty much get on your you know iPhone Android whatever you have so anyway uh, what do you think about this the new 3DS XL coming out and the fact that it has no charger yeah um well there's a few things uh first uh, I mean we don't need to talk about a whole lot because I think Every other news outlet has pounded uh, Nintendo for this, but the whole new 3DS, um, you know, that's the branding of their new... I mean, this is a new product. It's not a 3DS. It's a brand new handheld. It's got more buttons. It's more powerful. Better 3D screen. It's a new handheld. The fact... I, I cannot fathom who thought it would be a good idea to just brand it as the new 3ds i know it's similar but it's it's a new thing i don't i i sometimes that's mind-boggling me yeah so there's that um so 200 seems like a fair price point to me um i mean yeah i don't have a 3ds uh i have a playstation vita which i enjoy a lot um but they're they're totally different devices actually for being both handheld um uh, I I do wish there's a lot of uh, first party games I would really like to get from Nintendo on a handheld, but uh, I just haven't dived in. But two hundred dollars seems fair. But I do know that they've been advertising 
the current 3DS is still three hundred. still two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's just really shady for a company to not to just not have any like lapse where they just go straight from one product to the new product, not discounting their you know old product until the new product actually comes out. Right. Because I mean, if a new product's coming out in you know one month. Your old, the old product, the current 3DS is old news. It's it's outdated at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't see why. I mean, Nintendo is a weird company. They do weird things like this all the time. But that's my only gripe. Two hundred dollars seems fine. I just wish the current 3DS was a little cheaper to kind of that way. Maybe uh, people who don't keep up with news. If they see that their 3DS is discounted, you know, they might feel better about the fact that a new one's coming out in a month, and it you know it doesn't cost the same. Right. Because, I mean, you look at some parents who probably don't know any better. How are they gonna feel when they go out to buy a 3DS for two hundred dollars, you know, an XL for two hundred dollars, and then their son or daughter tells them a month later that their system's old news and the new 3DS is $200 as well. First off, if I'm a parent and my kid says after a month that I bought him a 3DS that his is old, I say, no, it's not. Still smells new to me. Go play. Have fun. <laughs> okay. So you're going to be that guy. That's right. I mean, all right. I mean, when I was a kid, I I didn't get, I mean, what was my first game system? I think it was, it was either a Nintendo 64 or uh, a PlayStation. Um, but I mean, we didn't get game systems or anything like that. And and I know, like, when the PS2 came out, I saved enough money myself to be able to buy that myself. My parents didn't really buy me anything, except, you know, they never bought me anything game-related, honestly. I bought that all myself, me or my brother. Uh, we saved up and pooled our money and bought different things. Um, but my parents, they wouldn't buy me anything. Yeah, I, 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 I have a little bit of the same childhood, so I can see that. But nonetheless, uh, that's my those are all my gripes about the actual system. But Yeah. Uh, in addition to announcing that uh, the new 3DS is coming, Majora's Mask 3DS is also going to be coming, and that's going to be on uh, February 13th as well. There's actually going to be a bundle uh, with the 3DS that I heard is selling out quickly. If it ever goes on for pre-sale, it's been selling out left and right. Um, I'm hoping the people that want it get it, and people who aren't just wanting to resell it on eBay or whatever for a higher price are not the ones buying it up, because... It's always, like, the same thing with that, you know, the 20th anniversary PlayStation that they had recently. It was selling for crazy amounts on eBay. Those those editions, these special editions, they're really for the fans. They're, and I know people don't have the moral compass to say, oh, you know, I shouldn't buy this and sell it because someone might really want this. And I'm, I'm just going to, you know, charge them either, you know, X amount more or what, but It'd just be nice that to make sure that the people who are really wanting the unit for themselves, uh, you know, to play with it on their own because they really love Majora's Mask or whatever are the ones that are getting these systems. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit of a shame to see people take advantage of people like that. But, yeah, that's that's the world we live in. And uh, I guess it maybe it would be nice for Nintendo to sell maybe more units so this kind of stuff wouldn't happen, too. So. Oh, <laughs> Nintendo doesn't know how much what supply and demand really runs <laughs> That's into. true. They do seem to have a problem with that. Um, 
uh, for example, uh, Amiibos and uh-huh. just all the insanity is going around that. But uh, yeah, it looks like a fun little 3DS though. I, I mean, if I was gonna get a new 3DS, I would, you know, why not get that one? But mm-hmm. it's too late. Yep. Uh, also, they announced that Wii games will now be on the Wii U eShop, um, and they're going to be half price when they launch. So if you want a game uh, for the first week that they're available, they're going to be half price, I read. So that's a nice little feature there. So if there's mm-hmm. anything that you're wanting that's on Wii, uh, you will still have to use your Wiimote. So you'll have, if you have a Wii U, you'll have to have the light bar set up, and you'll have to have a Wiimote to be able to play it just like you would a traditional Wii. The only uh, game that I saw that they announced uh, that I might be interested in is Metroid Prime Trilogy. That's going to be coming out. So I might grab that, but that's the only one I would get. I really want them to release GameCube games and Nintendo 64 games. Uh, I don't think they're releasing them yet. There's there's a, a few games that are for, from those generations that I like to pick up and play. Uh, I just haven't seen them yet. They also have uh, Amiibo. Uh, those are announced. Uh, some more announcements this week. So... They announced the next uh, set that are coming out uh, is going to be Wario, Pac-Man, Ness, Charizard, Lucina, and Robin. Uh, if you're familiar with Smash Brothers, you know who all those characters are. Um, Lucina and Robin are from um, the Fire Emblem games. Charizard is obviously Pokemon. Ness is from one of the, I think, Earthbound? Um, Pac-Man, yeah, obviously, so. from Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And then Wario is from uh, the Mario universe. But, so, I'm all fine and dandy with these. You know you know, I have a thing for Amiibos, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if I've mentioned this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so, I'm fine with these new Amiibos that are coming out. However, they also announced there's going to be re-releases. And this is driving me crazy, because these re-releases, they're, so they're, it's uh, Mario, Peach, Donkey Kong, uh, and like three others that are being re-released. They're just going to have a different pose, and I, I I don't know what to do because I don't I'm not gonna buy a second Mario even though it's it would just be a collector's thing I'm not gonna do it so I'm to the point where I'm gonna ask myself am I just buying one of every character going forward or am I just gonna cut ties now and sell my collection and just stop so that's where I am now on my uh, little amiibo thing because it's just Nintendo is not handling this you know I don't think in a way that you know a fan like me I don't and I, I might be in the minority if I'm crazy let me know because I just think that releasing in a wave four and you don't even have all the characters out yet releasing these you know different variations of Mario Luigi whatever who are already out and readily available, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know. Am I crazy? Uh, no. This, but this is only a problem that you and uh, a select pop population out there have, where you know it's that collector's mentality, where you're really you're so conflicted about, you know, you want that second character with a second pose, but <laughs> you know you shouldn't. <laughs> you know you shouldn't. So. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it seems it, it's too soon for this, no matter what. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing. It's just too soon. Maybe if, if they did this a year away, maybe I wouldn't feel so, you know, whatever. But just the fact that they don't have all the characters out yet. Yeah. 
if if and they had duck hunt out and then they said everybody else is done and then they give us this yeah but no that's not the way it is yeah it seems like they're mixing i think it'd be nice to see a full first run of all the characters that they're gonna make in an amiibos yeah and then for a second run you can do uh different variations of the first run that way you know especially for four collectors you know you can say I have the whole first run of every one of every character mm-hmm. instead of now you're going to have two of some characters in the first run mm-hmm. or you know or or is it the, you know is it the first run or is it the second run there are different stances so is this a whole new amiibo you know it's very confusing uh but uh, Nintendo's making the hand over just ridiculous amounts of money on the, these amiibos, so they're probably just like, release them all again with a different pose. We'll make twice as much money. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I. But um, that's a good group of uh, amiibos they announced, though, as far as the new ones. Yeah, I, and I like the new ones. I mean, I think those would all be really nice. It, I, I like Pac-Man, the idea of Pac-Man, uh, because, I mean, it, it's Pac-Man. He's a classic character inside yeah. of a Nintendo or not. It's kind of cool to, to have him. Um, Charizard would be another nice one to have because, I mean, in my generation, I think you, I mean we're in the same generation where we probably played Pokemon when we were kids on Game Boy. And yeah. We, we all had a Charizard at you know at one point or another in that game. So. Oh nice. yeah, we were uh, me and my, me and a buddy at work were actually just talking about um, you know the cards and collecting the cards and uh, you know. I don't mean to brag or anything, but I had two holographic Charizards when I was uh, <laughs> a young tyke, and uh, I always liked to rub that in people's faces. And uh, I have no idea where the hell those cards went nowadays. They're probably all in the trash somewhere. I had decomposing. some, too. Um, I don't know what I had. My, my mom probably filled them in a garage sale for, like, a nickel. Yeah, exactly. And oh, I remember, too, like, uh, my parents had bought, like, we went out and bought, like, we, well, we bought like a hundred dollar Charizard at the time. What? One of them. Oh yeah, they were. It was crazy. And then, I uh, I remember we went to a card shop and I paid like forty five bucks for. This was like my own money, uh, for like a Zappos that was holographic <laughs> or something. And uh, but those memories stick out. Like you know, the only reason I remember those names is because like that memory stuck out to me. Like paying quite a bit of money for one freaking card. It but, really, uh, it really was our generation's baseball cards because baseball cards, like in your dad's generation, that's what they would collect and would be worth a lot of money. You don't really see those much anymore. But for us, it was those like Pokemon cards or whatever. I think Digimon tried to come later on and do the same thing. But yeah, th- those type of things uh, were interesting when we were kids. Yeah, I was. I I remember. I had fond memories of some of that stuff. So yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that, that's all for Nintendo Direct. Um, yeah. So, let's go ahead and move on into the next bit. Um, Microsoft, a couple things on that front, is that Xbox One wins an Emmy. What? Yeah. Didn't didn't you hear? I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're all about TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I saw this, um... Uh, it's interesting, nonetheless. Um, I mean, why not? I guess, I mean, it's, so the Emmys and, like, you know, these guilds and stuff that, like, 
vote on stuff like the Emmys and Golden Globes and stuff. They're usually pretty old school. Uh, usually very old school, actually. And I think it's good to see... I mean, whether... I think there's a weird like category and weird winning, but just to recognize uh, a video game platform as a platform for entertainment, period. That's yeah. really what I think they're doing, is they're recognizing. You know, and maybe that's what they're thinking, too, is they're just recognizing the strides that... Uh, and, you know, the Xbox One goes above and beyond with the cable integration, so... Right, yeah, and they've, they've done a lot of interesting stuff. So, like, I have my cable hooked up through my Xbox One, so... Um, it allows you to con- control it with your voice, obviously. Just tell it if there's a TV show on that you want to watch, to say, watch this TV show, and it'll tune to that channel, whatever it's on. Um, they also have integration with what's, you know, what's being talked about in social media. So there's, like, a, a trending tab. So if there's, you know, an NFL game on that's being talked about, you can say, hey, let's, this is trending. Let's watch it and see what's happening. So really, they have had a lot of cool uh, features and enhancements that they've they've given to make TV watching a little bit more interesting a little more engaging um so it's a nice little technical award uh to be able for them to put in their belt why not i mean they've they've done some cool stuff uh and i'd like to see them continue on um but they also um may want to expose more people to that you know being able to hook up their tv through it because they've lowered the price quote unquote back down to 349.99 for the xbox one without connect so if you want to get back into that if you remember uh at the holiday time the xbox one was lowered fifty dollars in a temporary price cut and if you look at the npd numbers that they they sold the most units i think in both november and december um mostly due to that price cut and being bundled with like the assassin's creed unity and black flag so uh seeing those numbers and Seeing that it performed so well, I think they decided to go ahead and lower it back down. They have said that this is a temporary price cut yet again, and have not said when it would expire. So, just just another interesting thing that was effective uh, today as we record. This is Friday, uh, the sixteenth. So, if you want to go get an Xbox One, you can go get one right now at fifty dollars less than it was yesterday. Yeah, I think it's weird that they're hopping back and forth on that price stuff, but. Um... In all honesty, there's probably not, you know, to the general public, they probably didn't even realize that it went back up to 400, you know, because it was only, it was such a brief time that it went back up to 400, so. Was so it 11 days? No. When was it go back up? Was it the second, or? Uh, I think it was a little bit later. Uh, maybe it was the second, yeah. So that would have been 13 days, almost yeah. two weeks that it was up? So, I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, uh, it seems silly to me that they're flip-flopping and... I mean, at this point, don't call it temporary. Just say from here on out, it's three fifty. Um, Cause even I'm thinking maybe they're gonna say it's temporary and like make an announcement at a three or something that that's permanent price fix. But if they do something stupid like that, you know, people who watch, pay attention to gaming news and stuff, they're just gonna roll their eyes, you know. So just call it permanent now. Get it over with. Um, or give us an idea of what what you're thinking, what they're thinking. So yeah. Well, if you do decide to pick up an Xbox One at three forty nine, hopefully you won't have any problems connecting up to Xbox Live <laughs> or PSN, anything like that. Because um, in the UK and I think another European country, 
Uh, and I, I don't... So this is what they want, right? This is what the people who um, did the DDoS attacks want, is us to talk about them. So just to humor them once, because this is uh, legitimate news, is that two of them were arrested. I think one was 18, and then the other one was like 22 or 21. Um, but hopefully those DDoS attacks will cease or go down. Uh, I don't think they would have gotten everybody that was involved, but hopefully uh, the frequency will go down. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I hope so too. I think, I mean, yeah, I don't talk about it too much, but just the fact that there is a little bit of justice happening is uh, good to see. So I am very happy about that. Mm-hmm. So in addition to that, in 2014, um, NPD released the be- list of best-selling games. Um, so if you want to take a look at those, those are available to, to view. Let's just kind of run through them real quickly um in and this is i think in the u.s only uh number 10 best-selling game and this is across all platforms it's available on so xbox 360 xbox one ps3 whatever pc uh this is just including all of them uh call of duty ghosts was number 10 fifa 15 9 watch dogs was 8 NBA 2K15 was 7. Super Smash Brothers was 6. Uh, and that's only on the two platforms, 3DS and Wii U, so it counts both of those together. Minecraft uh, on all the platforms was 5th. Grand Theft Auto 5, 4th. Destiny was 3rd. Madden NFL 15, 2nd. And 1st. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. What do you think of that list? Um, it seems very typical, especially, um, you know, Call of Duty winning and stuff like that. The only one that surprises me a little bit is uh, Super Smash Brothers, actually, because, yeah, you look at the list, and all of these games are on at least four platforms. Mm-hmm. And Super Smash Brothers is available on two platforms, uh, one of which is a very, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is a very poor selling system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at the Wii U, um, nothing against the Wii U, but I mean, when you look at how many are actually sold, it's not a lot compared to other systems. And this game, st- I mean, so that means that this game, you know, it, the 3DS is, a, you know, there is a huge install base for 3DS. So maybe that's where a lot of these numbers are coming from. But still, for a game that's only on two platforms and. Uh, to make it in the top 10, I think that's pretty cool. And relatively late release in the year, too, because this is counting the entire year. So, yeah. Um, like you have Watch Dogs on there, which was on probably on this list the longest, or maybe Call of Duty Ghosts was on this list yeah. the longest. Yeah, I do think, I think Ghosts is a little weird because that, that released last, year's last game. year. Yeah. Or 2013. Yeah. Or, yeah, 2013, yes. Um, and I think it's the only game that is wasn't actually released last year. But, yeah. Um, Freaking Super Smash Brothers, keep it coming, Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing Nintendo games, you know, selling good, so. I do, too. I mean, I'm always pulling for Nintendo. I think that they've just got some mismanagement, you know what I mean? I I hope to see them on this list more uh, for this year because they have Zelda, Star Fox coming out. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, I guess I'm not really surprised, but uh, Bayonetta got a lot of critical acclaim, so I was kind of 
surprised to see that on this list. It wasn't that that yeah. wasn't on this list. Yeah, I think um, in Mario Kart too, you know, yeah, Mario, Mario was Kart was a huge hit. But I think I think the 3DS numbers are what put Super Smash Brothers into this list. Yeah. Because um, I just don't think a Wii U exclusive game can really compete to with all other four platforms. But not to say that those games aren't way better than most of that list, but uh, it's just the way it is. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I uh, that's interesting, and I mean, I also I think uh, as the years go on, we're gonna care less and less about MP numbers because, I mean, even at this point, they're probably absolute because uh, we still don't have a good they you know this is uh, they don't track uh, like online sales, do they? No, I don't. I don't believe NPD tracks a Steam or Xbox Live Store or PSN Store. Yeah, uh, so any digital games. Yeah, I think uh, I think PlayStation and Xbox kind of hold that both both of them hold that information close to chat. I don't know why why they're kind of holding on to that information, but like it's usually usually you can't find a lot of information what's selling on those um, storefronts. But so I think every year because I mean. I got my PS4, and I can tell you already, you know, I, I've, I've got my uh, physical games, but, yeah, I've got digital games, too, that, you know, aren't included in these kinds of lists. So that's yeah. going to happen more and more every year. Yep. Well, that's, I think, it for the video game side of news. Um, you want to go into some entertainment news? Yeah, uh, which... Um, you know, we have the Golden Globes. I mentioned that earlier. I think we'll do a quick rundown of that list. But I think even bigger for uh, for me and uh, our audience, probably uh, some uh, one hu- really big trailer hit this week. Um, another one and another trailer that I think is really huge, and I think you do too. But the Avengers trailer, second trailer, came out this week. So good. So I will admit, I've only watched it one time. And I think I only will watch it one time, but I wasn't that impressed. It was just like, yeah, yeah, more, more Avengers. Okay, uh, I'm, I think I'm, at, I'm at that point. I do this a lot with games that are hyped a, or movies that are hyped a lot. Is I'm done with advertisements. I just want to see it already. Mm-hmm. So I think I watched that second trailer and I was like, okay, you know, a little bit of uh, a footage from the first film, but mostly uh, or first trailer, but mostly new footage, but. I just want to see the movie at this point. So, but it was a it was a good trailer. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a little bit more of a look at um, Ultron and what's going on there. So, and uh, I think a few more scenes with maybe the Hulk Buster armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're we're all excited for Avengers. Can't come soon enough. Yeah, uh, and then the other trailer that came out this week. Um, the House of Cards uh, season three trailer hit this week, which this trailer is the one that I was really excited about. I watched it a few times. I'm a huge House of Cards fan. You know, I'm working my way through the first two seasons again. You know, for the second or third time now for me. Uh, great show. Um, it looks like they're hinting at maybe uh, you know very interesting things to come in the next season. Mm-hmm. Some stuff that they started in the second season. Um, and maybe even to see, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey you know, as Frank um, deal uh, with some consequences of all of his uh, horrible actions. So, 
Oh, we'll see. I'm really excited for uh, that season to come out. So, I'm uh, you know it'll be one of those weeks where I uh, maybe I'll call in a work sick or something one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got. I mean, that's next month. Yeah. And then uh, a month and a half later, I think is uh, the next big thing on Netflix, which is Daredevil. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, we didn't really go over a lot because you know there's there's a lot of shows coming out on Netflix this year. I think they have like. A show, one, like one new show of um, like a exclusive to Netflix show coming out like once every month or two months now for the next wow. year. So and some of them are comedies and dramas and I mean nothing as big as Daredevil and House of Cards. So very excited for that. Uh, and then as far as uh, some other news on the movie front, uh, looks like Tom Hardy dropped out of Suicide Squad. And he was set to play Rick Flagg, who in the comics is the leader of uh, Suicide Squad, or mm-hmm. has been. Um, we don't know if he was, I mean, I, I don't know if he was going to be the leader in the movie or not. Um, I have a strong feeling that it would have actually been Deadshot, uh, just because I feel like... Um, Will Smith's character needs to yeah, lead. Yeah, I feel like Will Smith would have leaded. And uh, we. I see a lot, I mean, I think Deadshot... Maybe because maybe because I'm a fan of the Arrow show, he's more uh, recognizable to me. Uh, so maybe I was kind of just hoping he would be the, the leader. But nonetheless, Tom Hardy dropped out, and supposedly they're in talks with Jake Gyllenhaal to fill his place. So, um, which I think it's interesting. I mean, they're they're going for big name actors because mm-hmm. I mean Tom Hardy drops out. They could have just picked up any, you know, random. My actor and they're like no we're going for uh jake gyllenhaal who is i mean he's really hot right now he has been nominated for awards in the last couple of years um and uh he's had some really good movies come out in the last couple of years so uh yeah i i i don't, I don't really know rick flag as a character so i mean whatever i think jake gyllenhaal is a excellent actor so i could see him in a good or bad role mm-hmm and then, uh, and then uh, I think we're gonna move on to uh, the Golden Globes a little bit, um, which I think honestly the biggest story to come out of the Golden Globes is, you know, I'm gonna run through the list real quick. But the biggest I think thing that people are upset about is Michael movie got snubbed. Uh, no, you know they weren't nominated for anything, and uh, well they were nominated for best original song or score or something like that but uh no awards for lego movie and the oscars were announced recently i think this week too and it was again it wasn't it was snubbed there yeah uh they uh, did you see, you saw lego movie right yeah i i mean a great movie um so very confused uh how that came about because um, I was looking at the list of other, and I, I don't even recognize some of these other um, animated films. I mean, some of them, obviously, I did, but, like, I, yeah, I was, I didn't understand. I was confused. <laughs> um, so a lot of people are up in arms about that, and rightfully so. That was, I mean, that was a freaking great animated movie. Yeah, and the so. way they shot it was, like, as as Legos would move and things like that, I don't think that they 
shot it with Legos, but I may be mistaken on that, but I thought that it was it was excellent the way that they, you know, shot it and uh, yeah. just framed the whole thing. Yeah. So um so the Lego movie was was nominated for the gold or for the Golden Globes, but not nominated for the Oscars is uh to clear that up, right? I think that's what we're looking at cuz they were nominated for Golden Globes, but they just didn't win. They um, were nominated for the the, animated uh song like you said the everything is awesome yeah. song um and i don't think that they were nominated for the actual uh animated feature no it was sorry it was nominated in uh, in the golden globes but it was not nominated in the oscars yeah which i i think uh i mean i think it's weird that we have like like who knows how many different official awards you know golden globes and oscars and who knows what else you know screen actors guilds awards and stuff like that um but uh just weird uh so i'm gonna run through the list real quick um let me know if you've seen any of these movies um i'll let you know if, if i'm interested in any of these um i think you know so big big categories i'm gonna go through those uh best motion picture uh for drama uh winner was boyhood um, did you see that? Mm-mm. Um, I haven't seen anything on that drama list, actually. Okay. Um, Boyhood, I mean, I yeah, looks. I mean, it looks very drama-y, but I think the big thing about that was that they actually filmed it over... 12 years. Uh, yeah, 12 years. So that's, I mean, that's definitely the first time something like that's been done, I think. So I'm interested in seeing that. I think it's out for rental right now, so I'm going to rent that soon. Um... The Imitation Game is also, uh, some of our listeners might be interested in that because I think that was about, um, you know, a British, uh, intelligence guy, um, breaking the Nazi code, um, using, I think what's supposed to be like the first, like, technically computer. I mean, it's using like, uh, switches and stuff. I mean, it's not a computer that we think of, but it's, uh, a computer-like system, so. Yeah. And that had uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it, and he was also nominated. Yeah, uh, and he's he's great. I mean, we know Star Trek, and he's gonna be Doctor Strange, and I know him from Sherlock before it, Star Trek. Sh- yes, Sherlock. Uh, uh, and if we want to talk about good shows, we we'll talk about Sherlock someday too. Sherlock uh, is so good. Yeah, it is. Um, so uh, I'm gonna some of these people I'm gonna recognize: lead actor in a motion picture, Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything. Uh, I didn't. I don't know anything about the theory of everything, but that's the Stephen Hawking movie. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I, yeah, I still don't. Yeah, weird. Um, <laughs> so, but he won Eddie Redmayne, uh, lead actress in a drama, Julianne Moore, and still Alice. Uh, I didn't see that. <laughs> so I think that's gonna be a big. You know, a lot of these are artsy movies or just maybe movies. They're not gonna be comic book movies, but. Um, Best motion picture, comedy or musical, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, I didn't see that. That's another weirder movie. I I didn't get around to seeing that. It's available today as Best Buy's deal of the day for six dollars though. Oh, but that's not right. going to help our listeners out at all. No, I guess not. <laughs> um, I think it's and you can go out and rent it at Redbox. I think by now because it's been out for a while. And the only one out of that list though for comedy or musical that. I, I really want to go see Birdman. Birdman looks good. That looks interesting. I, yeah. I, I like Michael Keaton. 
Yeah, it looks really. I'm, I am. I am into weird, weird movies and artsy movies. I just haven't seen a lot this year, but that looks like one of those just. I mean, bat crazy movies that and Michael Keaton playing a weird role, and I'm really excited for that. I like what you did there, bat crazy. Yes, <laughs> yes, X, yeah, um, bat crazy. Um, and uh, lead actor in a motion picture. I just said that. Oh, no, he did win. Michael Keaton in Birdman for lead actor in a mm-hmm. comedy or musical. Uh, lead actress for TV drama was Ruth Wilson and The the Affair. Uh, I didn't see The Affair. I think that was a FX show or... Yeah, I didn't either. Is yeah. it FX or Showtime, I think? Yeah, something like that. Or maybe it was Showtime, yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that. So, um, of course, I'm a House Cards fan, so I would have liked to have seen Robin White right when that one. Mm-hmm. So um, she was good in House of Cards. I mean, she's yeah. a great supporting. Yeah, um, I mean, freaking Forrest Gump. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Moving on. Director, uh, best director, was uh, the director for Boyhood. Actually, R- Richard Linklater. So that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Won the best film. Uh, it's quite a feat to film over twelve years. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead actor, TV drama, my boy. Kevin Spacey for House of Cards. Better known as Frank Underwood. Absolutely. So the ruthless Frank Underwood. So excited to see that. I'm I'm excited to see any Netflix show at this point win awards because uh, they're the most exciting name, I think, in TV as far as like them creating their own stuff. So I'm excited to see that. Amazon's stepping up the game, though, too, though. I think they actually won... A Golden Globe for one of their uh, TV shows, and I think we'll get to that later on. But um, I think that Amazon's is doing a good job stepping up their game. Yeah, I agree. I I think um, eventually I'm probably gonna have to jump into because I don't have uh, Prime right now. Just uh, it doesn't make sense for me right now. But I think pretty soon I'm gonna have Prime, so I can jump into some of their TV shows. Best TV drama: The Affair again. Uh, actress uh, for a miniseries uh, was Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, The Honorable Woman, uh, which I have, I think that's on Netflix, actually, already. Hmm. So uh, if any of our listeners are interested in that, it um, must be a pretty decent movie. Uh, foreign film, Leviathan, Russia. Uh, from Russia is what that's foreign from. Um, but was it with love? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bruce Willis was there. <laughs> uh, lead actor for TVD comedy was Jeffrey Tambor, Transparent. Uh, continue. Why, hold on. Why would Bruce Willis be in Russia with love? Um, I, what was uh, there was a lot. Of, <laughs> well, what was uh, Die Hard four or five? Oh, um, that that was a lot Russia. of a yeah. lot of the marketing was from Russia with love, even oh. though it made no damn sense. Oh, yeah, um, it makes more sense in context to where our weekly uh, uh, discussion has been for the last couple of weeks, but uh-huh. uh, no, for some reason I was like, no, <laughs> die hard, like six or seven, where the hell it is. I got you. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lead actor, TV comedy, Jeffrey Tambor, Transparent. Uh, another list of things I just don't know. Uh, screenplay was that Birdman. Transparent is the uh, Amazon uh, TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, that's good then. That's good to hear about. Um, I will have to check that out. Um, 
screenplay, Birdman, the, and the writers of that look like they won. So that's uh, good. Supporting actress in a motion picture, Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Uh, and then the controversial animated feature, uh, the winner was How to Train Your Dragon 2. And I heard that was a good uh, a good show, and yeah. I didn't see it. I, I'll wait until it comes out on Blu-ray to check it out. Yeah. it already has, and I still haven't seen it. <laughs> but, I, I mean, of that list, I saw Lego Movie, um, and I saw Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6, I thought, was okay, but Lego Movie was just great. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, I kind of wonder if uh, the, the whole Lego Movie thing is... It came out earlier in the year, so I'm wondering if that's... Because it was a lot bigger of a deal the first time you saw it, and you were like... But we've been seeing it for months now, like, in homes and stuff. I think the whole, the way they animated the Legos might have gotten lost on us since then, maybe. Because that was truly impressive, you know, making a movie out of Legos, so. And you saw what, because they didn't win here and they didn't get nominated um, for the Oscars, the, uh, one of the guys that created the show, or the movie, uh, put out this little uh, video where it's like, eh, I, I'll make my own Oscar, and so he made an Oscar out of Legos. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So moving on real quick, I'm gonna run through the because these are starting to get uh, you know a little crazy. Um, lead actress in a motion picture for comedy uh, was Amy or musical was Amy Adams and Big Eyes. I do want to see that movie. That movie looks interesting. Yeah, uh, it looked like a almost like a Disney esque movie, but it wasn't. I don't think it was from Disney. Um, supporting actor for a miniseries series or TV movie was uh matt bomer the normal heart uh and i think that was the one that was an hbo series um about a couple who had um hiv i think or aids mm-hmm. uh supposed to be a good uh series uh, original song uh was glory um from selma uh the song's name's glory i guess john legend and common made that song yep uh, I haven't seen Selma, so I'm not sure familiar with that. Original score, uh, motion picture, which you might be interested in this, um, uh, Johan Johansson, uh, I guess the theory of everything. So I saw that, and I haven't heard that score yet because I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, but I'll be interested to listen to that because I, I do, looking at that list there for those movies, Interstellar had an interesting score. I like the score better than the movie for Interstellar. Um, and then Birdman, obviously, that looked like it would be interesting, too, but uh, I'll have to check out the theory of everything, because usually the people who pick these Oscar or Golden Globe scores are kind of in line with my tastes for the score, at least, um, so I'll have to check that out and see how that is. I don't know who uh, or what else Johan Johansson has worked on, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll be interested to check it out. Yeah, that's, that name sounds really familiar to me. So, um, Johan. It's probably Johan. It probably is, yeah. Us silly Americans. Silly uh, Americans in your cream soda. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, Trent, uh, Gone Girl, the score for that. Uh, Trent Reznor, I, I like him a lot, too. I, w- I, would, I guess I would have liked... I haven't seen Gone Girl. I really want to see I haven't seen it yet, though. I, w- I like Trent Reznor, so I would like to have seen maybe seen him when I don't know if he did a good job or not, but uh, I like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, best TV or comedy, uh, Transparent. So that's two awards for them so far. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead actress in a TV comedy, 
Gina Rodriguez and Jane the Virgin. Uh, which I I seen commercials for that. that that didn't look interesting to me but she so I watched the Golden Globes and she gave a really nice little speech and she accepted oh okay um she's uh, yeah I did see that speech acceptance speech actually yeah because she's she had a little anecdote you know about when her her dad would always say um, you can and you will yeah and she said well today dad I can and I did it, it was a nice little speech that she gave I mean it wasn't long or anything but it was nice heartfelt and i genuinely think that she was not expecting to win i mean even when you look at the list of people that she was up against she was up against Julie louis Dreyfus for veep i mean mm-hmm. that in if you're in a category with her lena dunham and girls who's been you know won a few years now and uh, i know uh, from nurse jackie eddie falco she's been pretty good too but it's it's interesting that I generally or genuinely think that she did not think that she was going to win, and she was actually one of the most interesting speeches uh, that was there. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good speech. Um, okay, the next two categories. Uh, I'll say who won, but I I don't like it. Um, <laughs> uh, so actor for a TV miniseries was Billy Bob Thornton uh, in Fargo. And the best TV, uh, the TV miniseries that won or movie was Fargo as well. The actual, sh- the whole thing. Um, I haven't seen Fargo actually. I so I, I can't say for sure, but um, True Detective was nominated in both these. Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were both nominated for the actor, and the whole show was nominated for the best uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, True Detective is might be like the Besides Breaking Bad, I think True Detective is, like, the best piece of TV uh, entertainment I've ever seen. Really? Um, I, I, I don't... Maybe... It might be just me, but I absolutely love True Detective. Um, Matthew McConaughey was just, like... The last episode of True Detective, his acting in that episode just, like, blew me away. Hmm. So I was really hoping he'd win, just because... I liked the fact that he was in this uh, little mini series, because um, he's a big name actor. You know, he's got Interstellar this year. It's like I like to see some of these, you know, really talented actors do these mini series or these little HBO shows. Well, he won the Oscar last year. Did he? Yeah, he won the Oscar last year for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, so he's. I mean, and he here he is just doing the HBO show. Um, I was really hoping he'd win so that you know encourage more great actors like himself to do these little because i i can't say it enough that true detective i thought it was an amazing show um hmm. did you get a chance to see that at all or no 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 that was on hbo right yeah uh i think it was i think it was it, so there it's they're making it another season but it's uh kind of in the vein of american horror story where it's a different story every year hmm. um so the first season was completely you know, different actors from what the second season will be. I highly, I think it was only 10 episodes. Uh, I highly suggest anyone going to, uh, checking that out. Cool. So, um, and then there's only a few more here. Supporting actress, uh, for a miniseries was, uh, Joan Frogat, uh, from Downtown Abbey, actually. Downton. He, Down, make Downton. sure you say Downton. Sorry, down, <laughs> uh, there's probably some people out there listening in there saying, it's Downton, you idiot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a. It was funny when when that show first got popular, 
there was a, I don't remember who did it, but um, one of the comedians did a, a spoof, and they called it Downtown Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. There was a lot of good spoofs from uh, from that show, but yeah, uh, she 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 is really good in that in that TV show though. Um, looking against the other people in this list, uh, I I I think that she was right on with that that win. Uh, I didn't even know that she was nominated, honestly, before we watched the show, but uh, I was uh, happy to see that she won. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the last one on my list, my quick list here, is uh, supporting actor for a motion picture was J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. I love J.K. Simmons. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if you've seen, I, I really, I I almost went and seen this one night, but then uh, I think I had to find, go do something else, but uh whiplash looks like a really good movie it's the perfect movie for him honestly because he looks like he have you seen the commercials for this i think so i think i saw maybe a trailer or something he's is he like a teacher or something yeah he's like a jazz band um director or whatever but he's just like a monster to the uh one of the kid the drummer that's kind of what this movie is about is a relationship but um you know screaming right in his face so uh I can see how, um, just from seeing the trailer, I can see how he probably won that. This was, if you look at this category, this was a tough category, too. I mean, Robert Duvall, he's a storied actor as it is anyway. Yeah. But, uh, I heard a lot of good buzz from him in that movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. called The yeah. Judge. That's what he was nominated for. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke, I mean, he's he's a, another good actor uh, yeah. for boy, for boyhood boyhood yeah and everyone loved boyhood you mm-hmm. know so he must have edward norton i mean he's he's a great actor too uh birdman uh, yeah. that's another good film and then mark ruffalo the hulk i mean who this is a this is a good list yeah of uh, on, supporting actors yeah and honestly i, I feel like uh out of that list like jk Simmons probably is the maybe lesser not lesser known but um he's not much of a as much of a feature actor as all these other people were or are mm-hmm. you know um so i don't i'm good for him i i i'm really excited i'll i'll probably be renting or going to go see that at the cheap seats soon that movie because those are the, uh those it looks like a more of a smaller uh scale movie and sometimes i like those so cool but that's it for golden globe that's all we're going through uh, i tried to run through those quickly but i know it took a little time but quickly uh, yeah okay so apparently we're starting this new trend of just <laughs> hopefully it's not a trend rambling on for hours and hours and hours on and well uh, i did that i did that star wars review this time so i'm hoping that that might have been <laughs> what's yeah. making us long this time yeah but um hopefully we can uh yeah stick to a shorter time frame now uh, who knows whatever um uh, we're gonna do what we do but that that does it for the news right yeah i think so so I think we're finally going to move into our, <laughs> I was going to say big discussion, but we'll see how big this discussion ends up, our uh, entertaining thoughts on Skyfall. go ahead and say it right now the best of the three new 007 movies uh is skyfall you know kind of burying the lead there man 
Or is that called burying the lead? I don't know what it's called. Anyway. Maybe, but I mean, I'm really, I'm just letting you know you should stay tuned <laughs> to hear why it is so good. So, yeah. oh, so, and we, we do have to give uh, a, a big spoiler warning. That's right. Um, because, yeah, we're going to be discussing this movie. If you haven't seen Skyfall, um, uh, please uh, maybe tune in to the very end or... Or just stop and go watch this uh, good movie and come back and then listen to our take on this movie. Unlike the previous two Bond films that we have discussed in the past couple weeks, this one is actually available to watch on Netflix. Uh, So it's easy to watch for anybody who wants to see it. Whereas, you know, Casino Royale or Quantum, you had to kind of seek those out a little bit to watch them. This one is right there. If you have a Netflix account, you can watch it right now. Yeah, absolutely. So with Skyfall, they were celebrating 50 years of James Bond. Uh, see, I didn't know that um, until you just told me that, actually. Um, <laughs> because, and it makes a lot of sense, because we're going to get into it, but um, this movie, more than the other two, really feels like a true like reboot of like the entire series. Uh, and I'll ask you, I'm, I, I got some questions for you about... Um, you know, past series and characters, because I feel like there's more characters showing up in this one than uh, the last two movies that are maybe storied characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So and it may, th- and that makes a lot more sense to me now that you say that they were celebrating 50 years of Bond. It seemed like they were trying to get back to, um, I don't know, I felt like a reboot of the reboot, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because this one definitely, as we'll talk about, is more of a standalone. Uh, whereas if you look at Quantum of Solace, it's a sequel of Casino, and they, they carry a lot of the same stuff over between those two movies. This one, I mean, the actions of Bond, yeah, that carries over because, you know, the relationships that were built between those first two are obviously still intact here. But it adds a lot more in uh, with Skyfall. Uh, but it doesn't actually, this one is not a sequel of Quantum. Because it doesn't continue that uh, organization storyline that we assume is like Spectre, yeah. which we may get at the end of the year when Spectre comes out, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, with this one, it's so good. I mean, from the opening chase sequence, uh, it's it's so good how this how this whole thing opens up. Um, and as we talked about last week, there is a opening or there was a chase sequence in. Uh, on the rooftops in Quantum, and I asked, is that a thing, you know, is that something that happens a lot, and, uh, you know, I guess in different parts of the world, sure, but now, they took yeah. it to the next level, with bikes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, almost, it looks so similar to the shots in Quantum, except for he's on a bike, which does make it that much cooler. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you step up a rooftop chase? Yeah, at a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, so just a quick setup, so uh, he's chasing... Um, you know, we see Bond chasing someone who has stolen a list, uh, a hard drive with a list of every, uh, I don't think it was just MI6 operatives, but like every operative. Um, they said NATO, so that would be okay, North America or North Atlantic uh, yeah. organization. Yeah, um, so a lot of undercover agents. Uh, and it, So anyone who had that information could uh, release that information and then all these undercover agents would be in trouble, so... That's why he's chasing this guy. 
um, of course, rooftops. Um, and uh, again, you know, with as with the other two movies, great, you know, chase scene. And uh, the same thing that always sticks out about, you know, this Bond character is he's really smart in his chase scenes. And he's always, like, it's, like, arrogant or tough. Like, you know, like, there's a part where he... You know, he got the guy jumps on a train, so like he just speeds into a wall and hits it with his bike and just like flies into the air. Like mm-hmm. instead of like uh, getting up on the ledge and jumping down, he smashes into it with his bike and just like falls down onto a train. Like uh, I and he does that with other movies where like he just runs through walls instead of running around them. Like and I always like that about this Bond. He he's tough uh, and he's always just looking to get a second faster than the other guy. He's the brute instrument. Yes, absolutely. Um, so in this, I so the opening scene, you know, it's a chase, long chase scene. It all culminates to he's fighting, you know, hand fighting a guy on a, on the top of a train, a freaking train, and um, we have another operative who has been following them the whole time, and she has an opportunity to take a shot. Um, and there's actually kind of important scene for, you know, the whole, you know, for other parts of the movie. Uh, so they're both fighting and she, she can't get a clear shot of Bond or the, uh, assailant that they're chasing. Um, and Bond seems like he's struggling a little bit. They're both struggling. Bond uh, got shot earlier when he was yeah. in that, uh, in the excavator. Yeah. Which also comes into play later in the movie, you know, so he's, he's a little bit hurt, um, but he's doing his best, and if she doesn't take this shot, she's not going to have another uh, another chance to. So then it would be completely up to just Bond to finish the job. Um, and that's... Don't you think she could have waited for a better shot, though? I mean, because the way that she was positioned on the track, it was running con- close by her. Oh, and yeah. So those guys couldn't have really seen her there at that point. Maybe they did, and maybe he was... Uh, keeping Bond between the two of them, but the way that they were situated at that point, if he if they would have waited just a little bit until she like was close enough to him, she should have been able to get a shot of him, um, like just as the the train was to pass her. Yeah, or so Bond had an earpiece and like just like tell him move out of the freaking way so I can shoot this guy. Yeah, fall uh, down. Like just like get down. Yeah, something. I you know, but but uh. So this is all. Lady. She, she takes a shot. Um, she's very conflicted about it, but ultimately M gives the uh, the gives the order to take the shot, um, and she hits Bond, and uh, you know we see him fall down into a river, and um, you know I, they almost, you know they make it look like he like died or something, but we, we know he's not dead because he's freaking 007. I mean, he had to anyway. have been had to have been knocked out by that bullet. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, you know, you can tell he's he's a very much a lifeless uh, body at this point because he's just like kind of floating down the river and over a, um, a waterfall, and you can tell that he's not he's not awake at all. So mm-hmm. uh, very concerning. Um, but uh, and I think this question will be raised later. You know, it's like who really failed in that scene? Because uh, I mean. Bond had a chance to fight this guy and get this thing from him. He, you know, he didn't get it in time, or not in time for you know what happened was going to happen. Um, Eve is the other operative. You know, did she? Was it her fault? You know, she took the shot. I mean, 
it is her fault she shot Bond, but um, hmm. or you know, or M made that call. You know, uh, Eve was very conflicted about that, uh, taking that shot, and M told her take the you know, uh, the infamous line you know take the bloody shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so I I think it's in you know, certain people are gonna blame other people, and we'll see. Uh, that's gonna come up later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it, so when he's rolling down that river and he goes into the waterfall and it really flows right into the opening credit sequence doesn't it yeah which uh yeah because you know so so far the other two movies we reviewed uh they did this very stylish um credits you know credit scenes and usually they uh stuck with your casino royale was playing cards you know because that's you know what's it about a big theme for the movie and then uh quantum of solace was like a lot of sand and stuff because uh, i dealt with a lot with that um, and then this one we see the waterfall flow right into the opening credit scenes and the amazing Adele song comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar winning Adele song. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which, so, um, usually songs that are like made, cause I mean the song's called Skyfall. I mean it was made for this movie, um, and written for this movie, I believe, uh, completely and usually songs like that are they're never good you know they're always like shoehorned in or something or they just seem cheesy uh but i mean this is an amazing song it's you know a lot of people would listen to it and have no idea that you know even was meant for this movie or uh you know written for this movie or something are you a fan of adele uh yeah i mean i mean she's a great singer uh she's had some pretty big hits and yeah i enjoy her music yeah so my my wife and i we we like adele and so if we ever go like on road trips or sometimes in the past we've just kind of put adele songs on and so they'll all kind of flow together between her first album her second album and skyfall um and so it it flows if you look at her body of work and like just the song like you said you could just be listening to adele and not even know this was a bond song and just sounds just like her 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 music yeah uh so really good song and the sequence is really cool and um a lot of foreshadowing. Yes, uh, I do want to talk about that a little bit because there's a lot. Of, there's a few scenes where, like, you know, through the stylish graphics and stuff, you know, Bond. They show Bond uh, looking around at mirrors of himself. You know, he's looking at an image of himself, and, you know, and taking shots at himself and mirrors. Like, and it, he looks lost. He uh-huh. looks very. He looks confused and lost, and it's gonna play a lot into you know the beginning of this movie. Um, I really liked that, you know, he's shooting mirrors of himself and he, uh, you know, they show, you know, a cutout board, like a, um, that you'd see at like a shooting range and it's got one hole through his chest where he was shot, you know, mm-hmm. it's bleeding and just, I mean, I've said it before with other movies, you know, I really like that they're sticking with, uh, um, credits like this because I think it's, uh, cool and, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so we get through that, um, you know, yeah, like you said, dark foreshadowing, and then we move on to, uh, some very, uh, other interesting things that lead, you know, sets up the rest of the movie. Yeah, so then it goes right into M, uh, talking to this person who we meet is called Mallory, um, and so he's talking about her having to be, you know, kind of forced into retirement, you know. Um, because of that drive loss, it was such a big thing because all the information that they had, the exposure that it caused, was really uh, exposing all these agents and then threatening their lives. 
as we see later on. Um, but because of this loss, she's being forced out, so to speak. Um, and it, it wasn't going to be... It, they were trying to play it to a way that she wasn't being fired, per se, but she was going to you know, announce her retirement and you know, just work things out so that way it's a, it's a seamless handoff to the next person. So, but, so from that scene, she's heading back to MI6, and then they get stopped. And then she hops out and says, hey, don't you know who's, what car this is? But, yeah, that, what we see next is interesting. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, she, uh, who's her, what's her assistant's name? Tanner? Um, uh, sounds familiar. I think it's Tanner as her, he's... He's been the right-hand man on the last couple movies, too, as well, but he's a little more prominent in this movie, but uh, he gets a call, you know, someone's hacking into their system, and, you know, so they're, they're on the computer looking, like, who the hell is this, you know, um, and they're like, oh, it's coming from your office, you know, from M's office, and then we, um, uh, then they get stopped, and, uh, we see that, you know, they're looking at their computer screen, and, uh, there's a the weird graphics of M like you know imposed on a dollar bill like laughing you know mm-hmm. very uh, you know cartoonish um, and then the screen kind of disappears and it says think on your sins mm-hmm. and that's all we see just think on your sins and that's when she gets out and that's uh, when they're stopped by um, the two the policemen we see uh, their uh, home base uh, blown up. Mm-hmm. Specifically, M's office. Yeah, um, so completely blown up, uh, destroyed. You can tell, and uh, and you can tell. You you can. We're, they're gonna mention it later in the movie, but she was obviously meant to see that, you know, mm-hmm. and see, you know, not necessarily be there when it happened, but um, she was meant to see that. And uh, then we move on to uh, where Bond really is. Yep. So he's not dead. He's. He's become a beach bum. Beach oh, yeah. bum bond. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to get that uh, uh, character. I feel like that'd be an action figure. Like, you know, <laughs> they always have all, you know, you get a Batman release, they have like a million variations of Batman, like a Sandman Batman or Water Batman. I'd like to see um, the action figure of Beach Bum, <laughs> beach bum Bond. Uh huh. That'd yeah. be great. He yeah. comes with a bottle of Heineken because he can't afford a martini. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, we see him. He's on a he's on a beach somewhere. We have no idea where really, but um, you know, there's you know, there's two things we know. He, he's drinking a lot. He's drinking heavily, and uh, you know, he's he's sleeping with women as you know, Double O Seven does, and um, he's being really reckless. You know, I, I really really weird scene. You know, or cool scene. I think uh, you know he's doing. They must place bets on this game where. Uh, He's got a scorpion on his hand. And he's doing a shot with a scorpion on his hand. Uh, you know, he's staring down the scorpion as he takes a shot, and uh, you know, he's just re- living recklessly and doing a you know a drunken lifestyle mm-hmm. until he's sitting in a bar, you know, drinking his pain and problems away, and he he sees the news that MI6 uh, headquarters has been uh, bombed. Mm-hmm. And you can see right away that he's interested and he's he's ready to go back. He's, you know, he's he loves his country, so he's gonna go back. And um, and uh, I think that's when we really, you know, 
we follow him uh, when he he goes to Emma's apartment or house or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's hiding in the shadows. And I think this is more than when he was on the beach even. Uh, she flips the lights on and, you know, he's there. And she, you know, she plays it cool like she knew he wasn't dead the whole time. And, uh, but, I mean, he's sitting there drinking in her house, you know, field, uh, he's wearing street clothes, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of beard gruff going on, and he looks very haggard and tired, and, uh, I mean, I think he looks, you know, he's probably drunk in this scene, he's been drinking, you know, he's sitting there drinking, waiting mm-hmm. for her to get home, and, uh, she I think... She probably has some good scotch. Uh, absolutely, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, you get a really good look at, like, his state of mind at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, she says, uh, you know, kind of gives him the lowdown a little bit what's going on and, uh, tells him he's going to have to do some tests, right? Yep. Got to pass the exams again to get back into active duty, right? Yeah. So uh, they take him into their new base, underground, strategically located, not able to be, the other one obviously was like a, a, a big shining beacon or anything, you know, you, you could almost pay, uh, paint a target on it. Yeah. Whereas this new spot, it's just, it looks like a, like almost like an old abandoned uh, I think they said uh, metro it was station. A, yeah. And I think they said it was a uh, part of Churchill's like a uh, war fort or something like that. Oh, you okay. know, tried to give it like some cool, cool history. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it's all brick and uh, very cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there, he has these, these different exams that he goes through, and he's... I don't know how long he's been out. Did they, did they state how long it has been? Uh, no, it must have been at least a couple months, because they do make a few mentions here and there about... You know, we'll find out later. He, you find out during the movie that they got rid of some of his stuff, and his... Uh, they got rid of his flat, and... Uh, yeah, they were selling things off. Yeah, so I think, you get, you know, you, get the, you, you realize it's been probably a few months, at least. So, because with these evaluations, it's like he's a completely different person. I mean, he's he's not hitting the shots. He's he's you know he gets he does his little like a little move to do a quick shot, and it fires way above into the left of the target. And then he does another one. It it does another spot. It's nowhere near the target. So he just gets you know angry almost and just pulls the trigger and walks towards it. He yeah. can't even do like these pull ups. He was doing pull ups, and he couldn't do those either. So just he must just either completely let himself go for that amount of time, uh, or I don't know what happened, but he's just completely out of it. Yeah, I think I think he's just got a bad state of mind, and like there's this really good part where like he's working out, he's doing push-ups or sit, uh, pull-ups or something, and uh, finally, you know, because Tanner's briefing him the whole time while he's doing the stuff, and uh, finally he says, "Well, I, I'll just like I'll let you be for a minute." And uh, so everyone leaves the room, and that's when uh, Bond just collapses because he's obviously like trying to put on a show, um, but you but you know really he he can't do this stuff anymore. He's he's beaten. He's just yeah he's not ready because mm-hmm. uh, he I mean he look and he's breathing heavily and he looks horrible shape. I mean, and uh, that's just the physical side. His mental side. I mean, they evaluate him there too, and you know do the word association. Yeah. And then they you know do a couple words you know like agent provocateur you know day wasted, um, and then they they bring up Skyfall. Yeah. And when they say Skyfall, he just has this reaction in his face, 
and it must just you know bring up some sort of bad memories. Yeah. Um, so at this point in the movie, you know, we don't we don't know what Skyfall is. We're just like, is that some code name? I, you know, I don't think it's been brought up at all before. Or a mission that he was on. Something. Yeah. It, it, it kind of sounds like you know maybe some sort of mission. Uh, and I I think he says uh, I think his only his reaction to that word uh, association is just finished because uh, he he and he just gets up and walks away after that word so obviously that that one word kind of hits him a little deeper than others mm-hmm. and then it shows him you know in in his room or not his room but somewhere maybe in the gym uh, kind of getting ready to go out or after a workout one or the other and so he has the scars from the bullet wound but and then he takes a knife and and is cutting himself and he pulls these shards out of his chest first off why are there still shards in him wouldn't he have pulled them out when he was on the beach if he was if he knew they were there because all he did was take a knife and cut it out secondly when he comes back from the field aren't they gonna like do some sort of I don't know, uh, x-rays on him or something and see like, oh, hey, you've got some stuff in your chest. We better take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that, was a little, that, you know, that's true. That's one of those like, uh, like movie magic kind of things where you just kind of got to ignore it. You know, it fuels the storyline. So you just got to like ignore it. But yeah, it is kind of a funny thing about like, cause, uh, I mean, bullet pieces are extremely toxic to our body. If, um, and that's why, you know, in any movie or show, you, they're always trying to get bullets out of you as quick as possible because they're not good to have in our body. So for him to just be holding those for all that time, uh, you know, whatever. And he, you know, just digs it out with a knife, you know, like a real man should, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so. But uh, so then we move on uh, and and uh, there's a meeting with um, M and uh, the newer guy in the um, series is uh, Mallory, who's... He's kind of overseeing M now and the whole system, uh, and he's the one that told her that she's you know going to be losing her job. But uh, M tells Bond that he's passed; he's good to go. So, and there's a little bit of uh, you know Mallory's got something to say about that, but Bond says he's ready. So mm-hmm. there he goes; he's he's ready for mission. Yep. So he's ready for the mission, and before you go out on a mission, obviously we haven't seen this. Uh, particular character in the other two movies but in the previous movies there was always a big piece that presented him with all his little techie gadgets and cool things and that was Q so here we get his quartermaster Q branch which is just like this younger kid almost uh, is introduced in the museum scene and a nice little scene too because you know Bond's sitting down there waiting obviously for Q who's always been an older person uh, in the other movies, uh, and so then this kid sits down next to him and starts talking to him about this boat, you know, being decommissioned, as it were, like an old war vessel just being decommissioned. It kind of paralleling the story that we'll see with Bond here, you know, being the old war vessel, almost been decommissioned in a way, but him fighting back and just becoming still what he is. So and then Bond's about to walk away, and he says, "Hey, I'm uh, pleasure to meet you, 007." And then Bond's like, "Oh." You must be Q. And so, you know, they get into a little little discussion there. And in the olden days, you would get a lot of interesting toys, gadgets, lasers, things like that from Q. But it's simple in this one. They they keep it simple to give them two things. 
They give him a biometric palm read gun, so only he can fire it. And they give him a radio transmitter. So, obviously, you think the biometric uh, gun is kind of cool, but the radio transmitter, that looks like it's kind of a little antiquated almost, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they, they, he even makes a joke, you know, he says, after he gives him that stuff, he says, were you expecting an exploding pen? Uh-huh. And that's a callback to, at least, I don't know if they did it in other ones, but in Goldeneye, uh, they had a funny scene when, when Bond went to the Q branch there, uh, and they had an exploding pen, and that exploding pen actually was used later on in the movie anyway in Goldeneye, but, uh, yeah, so it was a nice little callback to that movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I do want to point out, because I, I could think like with that little quip and there's a few other scenes in this movie there's a little bit of humor in this movie like mm-hmm. it's it's real subtle but and I, I don't think more so in this movie than the other two but it's like really smart humor that like doesn't it's not funny you know it's not funny but it's like little quips that just lighten the it's mood for, yeah it's you know it, it lightens the mood for a quick second because you know bond's a cool guy you know he understands humor you know so uh and people are gonna make you know uh you know, make some fun with him, and he's gonna make some fun. So, so now he's ready for his big mission, right? He's got a radio and a gun. Um, his first mission back since uh, death. You know, coming back from uh, death. Um, and he he's going to Shanghai, uh, in mm-hmm. China. This scene, this opening Shanghai scene, the music that's playing, everything. It looks great. It sounds great. I just, it's so good, I and mean, I think. Uh, this movie was released in IMAX, and this this shot of Shanghai, or Shanghai, I don't know how you pronounce it properly, but um, is I, I remember it from the showing that it was just it filled the IMAX screen, so it was actually shot with an IMAX camera, so it gets a lot of detail, um, and you can definitely tell by the way that the, the city was shot with all the colors and the lighting, and just the vibrancy and this entire Shanghai sequence is so good, and the music, the music, it, it's a great little. Um, it's not really a chase, but more of a sleuthing, you know, spying, yeah. pursuing. Not 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 a chase like we've seen in the other Bond movies, but this is just him calmly following, letting things happen, see where he goes, and then just tailing him. Yeah. So he's tailing, uh, and it's actually the same guy that sh- that um got away with the the computer drive earlier in the very beginning of the movie. So he's tailing him, following him around. Um. And yeah, like you said, like really vibrant because, uh, you know, if you look at, if you're, I mean, like Japan and uh, area, you know, obviously Shanghai and China, and stuff, um, some of the cities like that, I mean, there's just like computer screens everywhere. And like uh, in this particular scene, there's like a com- entire building that is just like one entire like um, LED, LED show, you know, it, it, lots of lights everywhere and it like looks really awesome because they're in a dark building. There's all these lights, you know, flashing off their faces and stuff. But um, he's gonna cha- he's gonna follow this guy. And he's gonna witness uh, what looks to be a um, assassination. Uh, you know, he's watching him and uh, the guy, the assassin, you know, uh, does completes the assassination. He looks like he's shooting someone from across the street, and then uh, Bond moves in to uh to take him out or uh you know get some information from him and then we get this really awesome fight scene where you get two sil you know two black silhouettes of both of them fighting you know fist to fist 
and there's like that really super bright um, uh, building behind them, and I just I that that fight scene is just one of the best ever I think. Mhm. Yeah, it was really cool. And before that, when he's following the guy, and before the assassination, he the guy is getting up to his position, and he goes on an elevator, and uh, Bond just oh, grabs onto the bottom of the elevator as the guy's going up. And he's going up, you know, I don't know how many stories you think, probably 100 stories or so. Yeah. And Bond's just holding on with his hands and keeping this thing going. But uh, obviously his he's not what he was because he can't hold on quite maybe like he could when he was younger. So he can definitely tell that he's having to deal with his body not being quite what it was. Yeah, he even lets go at one point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he's still, he's not, he's not clean shaven at this point either. Um, you can just tell overall he's, you know, yeah, he fights this guy and he, he'll ultimately win, but like, he's not in tip top shape at all. Mm-mm. So, Man. um, so they're going to fight, they're going to uh, do their thing and, uh, you know, Bond, Bond gets in this position where he's holding him, he grabs him from falling off the ledge, the assassin, and he's trying to get some answers, but the guy kind of purposely just lets himself uh, slip off and he dies uh so then it, you know and there's this kind of weird scene where after he looks up from dropping the guy you know from you know 100 stories up he looks up and there's a woman across the st- you know street where someone was just shot staring at him uh and we'll get to know her later but uh it is interesting that we see her here in this Shang- shanghai scene mm-hmm so after he falls, he's looking at the stuff that the sniper left, and he sees this cool little poker chip there. You think he might be heading back to Casino Royale, and he would play a couple more hands of uh, uh, Texas Hold'em or something like that, but he gets this nice little poker chip, and that leads him to uh, his next spot. But after the scene where he gets that chip, it takes us actually back to uh, to, to England, and we're, we see that M has been hacked. Uh, and that there's actually a list of IDs of all these NATO agents that from that drive that was stolen that's being posted on YouTube. So all those uh, people's identities are being compromised. And, uh, but so I have, to, I have to wonder, this is a Sony film, obviously. You see, you see Vios everywhere. You see uh, you know, all the Sony stuff here and there. They had to use YouTube because it was more widely you know, known. Why not Crackle? I mean, <laughs> why, why don't you post all the stuff out on Crackle? <laughs> yeah, because uh, all the cool kids are posting stuff on Crackle. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it has to be easy to hack, right? But. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing we can talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, no, they're not funny. even hacking YouTube; they're just posting like a normal person would post, yeah, you know, identities. Exactly. So yeah, we do see that. Um, so we're kind of seeing the repercussion, the first repercussions of uh, losing that hard drive, you know, which is kind of what Bond's ultimate goal is to figure out who, who has that hard drive now. So, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, then we see him. So he's uh, traveling. Uh, it looks like it's still he's still in Asia somewhere, and uh, we see this uh, interesting little scene between um, between Eve and bond um and uh we're going we find out later in the movie but eve is her last name is actually money penny 
Um, so we see this, uh, who we see this, you know, cool scene between him and her, and they're flirting, and uh, you know, she's not she, she's not being you know easy like a typical Bond girl. You know, she's making him you know wait and stuff, and uh, just kind of cool. And uh, this is when I have to ask you because I'm not as familiar with like the past Bond movies. Um, is Money Penny like a character that's been in a lot of Bond films? Yep, she. So as she assumes her mantle later on, she, Money Penny has always been the character um, that's kind of the secretary for M. So she's always been uh, outside of his office, kind of taking notes. Um, always been kind of flirtatious with Bond here and there. Nothing ever happens between them. Um, but she's always kind of. There's a couple times where you know Bond actually tries to write his resignation, and Money Penny. You know, gives him a leave of absence instead of a resignation. Um, so she's watching out for Bond, and she's always been a character that has been in. I think up until Casino Royale, every Bond movie has had a Money Penny, I believe. Uh, so she's always been a consistent character, kind of like Q or M. Okay, yeah, I was, I was, I, I assumed that, and that's kind of what I was talking about with like, I feel like they're recurring some older characters that they weren't as worried about in the first two um, of these uh, Daniel Craig movies. Um, and it seemed like they're calling back some of these classic characters. So I thought that was interesting. And you actually don't find out about the Money Penny thing until you don't find out that her last name is Money Penny until the end. Uh, I think it's supposed to be like a kind of a nod to uh, previous Bond fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's, uh, you know, they that scene or whatever. He's going to go to the casino a uh, casino, and uh, he's going to claim that chip that he got. Um, and, uh... He, uh, is presented with, uh, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're, assu- we're to assume that that's probably for what was supposed to be the assassination fee for the guy that was, um, killed. And, uh, that's when we meet another main, uh, you know, a big character in this movie... Uh, and a lovely woman, uh, Severine was her name? Severine, yeah. Severine. Uh, and, uh, so Bond meets her. She's, she happens, she's the same woman that he saw, uh, at the, in Shanghai when he had that fight and she was kind of staring at him. She's a little weird, you know, she, you can tell she's like on her toes. Uh, and he even like mentioned something about how she's, you know, carrying a gun around and, uh, he he kind of can tell that she makes it look like she's being protected, but he can tell she's being controlled with bodyguards. So, um, you know, and, uh, they're flirting and, um, she tells them, well, I'll bring you to my, uh, employer, but you know, first you have to fight these guys, guys off. So gets into another really cool scene, uh, another fight scene with, uh, her, uh, bodyguards as they were, and uh, Bond fights a dragon. Well, he doesn't really fight the dragon, yeah, but he, he goes face to face. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's, there was there was another part where there's a little bit of comedy where he uh, um, so he's fighting with a guy down in this pit that they fell into, and uh, they're fighting. And all of a sudden, Bond looks over and sees it's com- it's a huge Komodo dragon, which uh, Komodo dragons are extremely dangerous, and. Uh, he just does this thing where he's like backing up and pointing at it, kind of funny. 
uh, and I thought I thought that added a little bit of humor. And uh, <laughs> even he like he the guy picks him up and carries him. And he's still staring like wide eyes, you know, kind of staring at this dragon like oh. Uh, so I thought that was fun, but uh, and then uh, he he eventually gets in the situation where the ta- the guy who's fighting gets a hold of his gun, his biometric gun, and uh, tries to take a shot. And that's when we first see uh, some of this cool technology take place because. Of course, the other guy can't take a shot with Bond's gun, and uh, while he's trying to take a shot, uh, Komodo Dragon comes up and uh, eats him. <laughs> grabs mm-hmm. a, you know grabs a chunk of his leg and pulls him back into the pit. So uh, that was kind of cool to see, you know, the biometric gun play. Yeah. Um. So that's that. You know, Bond's got his money, and I, he's gonna go meet Severine on her boat and uh, meet her employer, who was, who I I think we realize at this point is the big bad of the movie yep in the meantime we see that these yeah back in england uh the leaks are causing a lot of agents to actually be killed um and i mean it's kind of topical so this was in 2012 that this was released and right around that time there was uh the julian assange and the WikiLeaks and all those types of things so it's a pretty close reference related to some of that uh, to kind of pull back into the real world things but so that just kind of shows you what's happening as far as this hard drives fiasco, what's happening there, and the the big you know overall plot of what's happening. But then it takes us back into uh, Bond, and he's talking to Severine, and she, you know, uh, he meets her on the boat. She doesn't think that he was going to come because he wasn't there. They were going to take off, uh, but then he shows up later on in the boat, and. Then they actually show them approaching the island. And this, this approach to the island is, is so interesting because I love the music. Again, uh, me being the, you know, someone who likes the scores of music, uh, of movies like this, the, the music just sounds really cool for this, this way that they're entering uh, this island. Um, and we actually learn as, he, as they're you know, in the island that he, he caused something to happen where everybody fled this island, caused everybody to leave, like... In, the, in a matter of hours to evacuate because uh, they thought that there was a chemical leak or some sort. So this is all building up to, to meeting this, this, this imposing figure, this big bad. And at 1 hour, 10 minutes, and 37 seconds, we finally meet him. We're almost halfway through the movie before we meet the big bad guy. Um, and we meet Silva. And this guy makes an awesome entrance, right? I mean... This the whole the the elevator slowly coming down, and then him slowly walking towards Bond while he's telling him the story about getting rid of rats on an island, which is obviously a parallel to you know M, uh, getting rid of you know agents in a way from from Silva's point of view, and then the last two rats on the island left were Bond and Silva in from you know, in looking at how it can be extrapolated from that point of view. So this is just a great entrance for Silva. I mean, this this whole scene, it works in a ton of levels because he says all those different things that he can do. He sits down and hacks, you know, Bond's file to see, oh, M told you you passed, huh? Oh, these evaluations don't say, don't say that. And he says, mommy has been very bad. You know, she's setting you up to die. Um, so it's he's he's trying to turn Bond in a way to, to work for, for Silva, turning him away from MI6 in a way, but... It doesn't really work. So Bond, you know, keeps his cool under pressure. He still, still keeps his wits about him. You know, when 
when uh, Silva tries to turn him in more more ways than one, he he has good comebacks and quips to to come. Uh, it's just a, a great scene that we we see Silva. Yeah, probably one of the better entrances like in any movie, any series of a uh, the bad character in the movie. And uh, I'll just say it now, definitely compared to last week's bad character. Oh yeah, uh, this. Silva is the best bad of these three Bond movies that we've seen, for sure. Oh, yeah. He, he, he truly seems, like, menacing and uh, powerful. And, like, you, you know, something about him, he, he always feels like he's in control. And most of the time, he is in control of everything. And uh, he acts like that, so it comes off as a very kind of scary character. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we see them go outside and... What do we see? We see Savrine out there. She's tied up. And so Silva puts Bond to the test. He says, okay, M passed you on these exams. And she said that your accuracy was good enough that you can come onto the field. Let's see how good you can do. Pours a couple glasses of scotch. Bond drinks his. And uh, Silva put his on top of Savrine's head and challenges Bond to shoot the glass from on top of her head. Yeah, well, then there's a little bit of wordplay there and you know, kind of evil wordplay where he says, first one to knock the glass off her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and we see Bond, you know, they got these older guns and uh, Bond goes to shoot and he can't steady his hand at all. He's shaking, he's uh, moving all around and, you know, Silva's, you know, kind of making fun of him a little bit and uh, he takes a shot and it's, you know, wide right, oh, far from her. Yep. And we can just see that, you know, he he's not he's still not 100%. Yep. And then Silva takes his shot and knocks the scotch off but also kills Savrine in the process. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a sad scene for her because I mean, you can tell that she was just being used from the get-go. She had no say as to what would ever happen to her. Um, but that was a, a tense scene. But after that, uh MI6 shows up with the helicopters. Um and earlier on, if you've noticed, Bond uh, turned on his radio to, to radio out to them to come pick him up. And so they show up, and it's the latest thing from Q Branch is the, the radio he points out to Silva and says that, yeah, the old tech sometimes beats new tech in a way. Yeah, I like that scene a lot. So then we see M. He, he gets you know taken into uh, MI6, and he confronts Silva. Uh, or sorry, M confronts Silva, or maybe it's the other way around with Silva confronting M because obviously Silva's locked away behind this this cage, and he asks M to call him by his real name, and you know from this point we're just assuming his name is Silva, but uh, M tells Bond that his name was Diego Rodriguez, and he was an agent in MI6, uh, and he was actually on the wall of the memorial wall. Uh, because I think they thought that he had died in in the line of duty. So she was actually going to have his name taken off the wall. And at that point, though, uh, she goes to leave. And there's this scene about him. Uh, when he was caught and tortured, he never gave up any information. And he was going to take a cyanide pill. And it shows this, this, you know, he gives this little speech up to that point. And... M goes to walk away, and he says, look at what you've done to me, look at what your creation, and he pulls out this prosthetic that he has in his mouth, 
and it actually shows how much damage that cyanide pill did to him. Uh, instead of instead of killing him, it it disfigured him in a horrible way. Yeah, which is a truly it really it's really terrifying because it's like it looks like that mouthpiece actually holds his whole face kind of together when he pulls it out. Like his whole face droops, and he he he's a very disfigured man and uh, very scary looking. And you can see the horror on M's face as she looks at him, actually. Yep. So, then what do we see? We see Q trying to decrypt Silva's laptop. And, alright, I'm an IT guy. And when you have a compromised piece of hardware, the last thing you do is hook it into your active network to try to decrypt it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, they show him plugging in a Silva's computer into their network. Yeah, like, so, I mean, that's such a rookie mistake, especially for someone who is touting, you know, all the damage he could do in his pajamas before breakfast type thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, very, yeah, that was a little weird. Um, but yeah. nonetheless, yeah, so you have uh, Q um, trying to decrypt Silva, Silva's laptop, and uh, we realize really quickly that it's a trap. Um, he's hacked into their network and freed himself, actually. And uh, that's when we get another chase scene where Bond's chasing Silva. But you can just tell Silva's got everything planned. He had his escape planned. He had, you know, uh, some officers, like, they escape to um, subway stations and some officers, like, drop off some clothes to him as he's walking. He's got everything set up perfectly. He knows exactly what time everything's going to happen. And uh, Bond's just chasing him the whole entire time, not knowing exactly where he's going to be. Um, and then finally Bond does catch up to him just in time for, uh, Silva to be one step ahead of him again and, uh, blow a hole in the wall or in the ce- or ceiling and have a dr- uh, train, entire train drop right on top of, uh, 007. Yeah. The expert planning and timing of, for that to happen, you know, just that point just shows how much Silva planned this whole thing out. From from every little thing, yeah. So, uh, you know, at this point, um, we have this other really cool scene. So, Bond's you know hurt or whatever. He you know he's just got he's got to deal with this train thing, and Silva we we tell is going he's going after M, and she's in a meeting with some board members who are talking about how they should you know cut down on Li six because you know we don't fight in the shadows anymore. And there's, like, this duality scene where we see uh, she's talking about, you know, we get to a scene where M starts talking. She's giving a little speech about, you know, uh, having the will to fight and, you know, kind of this courageous speech. And we see Bond running towards M at the same time. Like, going back and forth. So I really like that scene. I think, they're you know, they're trying to, like, uh, you know, She's talking about him and how he works. So, mm-hmm. but um, some good editing there too. Yeah, very good. You know, cutting cutting between those. Exactly. Uh, so I really like that. Um, but uh, eventually Silva, you know, he breaks into the boardroom that Emma's in, and there he's taking shots at her. But he he takes you know he shoots a couple of guards, and he's got a shot at uh M. And then uh, I thought this was important that um, Mallory actually reaches up and um, 
kind of takes the shot for M. Because uh, Silva ends up shooting Mallory instead. And uh, then things kind of go haywire, and Bond shows up to kind of save the day, too. And mm-hmm. and then um, then Bond does something that's probably not good for his career. He uh, steals M's car while he gets into it and waits for her to get into the car. And then steals M, actually. Kind of kidnaps her. And she's quickly okay with it, but uh, I think his plan was... He's got a plan to kind of use her as bait for Silva at this point. Uh-huh. So they have to run, but you know, before they can run, they have to ditch that car because it's got tracking on it, right? Yeah. So they don't want everybody tracking them. The only person they want tracking is Silva. So they go buy some of Bond's old things that were still in storage, and they pick up an Austin Martin DB5. Such a great car. Um, actually, this is another callback to previous Bond movies because this has showed up uh, in a couple other movies, but the first instance that this car uh, was in was in Goldfinger, and it was actually the exact same license plate, and they were modeling it as much as they could after the Goldfinger car. So that's another callback to a previous film is, is this Austin Martin DB5. Yeah, and they so when they do like some of these callbacks, or like especially this... They, um, the music you can tell is just a little more, it's like the original Bond music and it just, it, the whole scene's really cool when he, he lifts it up and you're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. You know, that's, uh-huh. uh, you know, the freaking Austin Martin. So, uh, Bond's heading back to his old home in Scotland, uh, which is called, as we find out, Skyfall. Yep. So now we know what Skyfall is. Yeah. So Skyfall must be like the you know the name of the property that he lived on as a child, um, and there's some scenes where he's talking with Emma about, you know, he was an orphan. And, you know, she says that they make the best recruits, but, uh, and then we meet uh, um, Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Who now? So, with with when it showed Kincaid, it kind of showed him in a, in a way that it felt like this should be someone, right? Did you kind of get that when you when you watched the movie? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I could see how they would use a certain uh, actor as uh, Kincaid, the character, and Kincaid's like um, he's he was a probably he was a caretaker, uh, groundskeeper, groundskeeper for um, their estate. So Bond knows him. Yep, and this was originally first planned to be. Another callback to another Bond. This was supposed to be Sean Connery um, originally, but uh, as it came down to shooting, uh, either they couldn't get Sean Connery to sign on for it, or they thought that it would be too confusing for audience members um, to to see what to try to figure out what was happening. Because obviously he wasn't going to be playing Bond; he's just going to be playing a random caretaker. So, for one of those two reasons, they they scrapped that. But originally, when this was written. It was always intended for Kincaid to be Sean Connery. But here, so we enter Bond's version of Home Alone, I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, It really is, because they don't have a lot to work with, you know, as it finds out, you know, they're they're getting ready for a big fight, but all they have is, like, two shotguns and, you know, some shells and dynamite, you know, they don't have a whole arsenal to work with. Mm -hmm. So they're setting all these, like, unique traps traps up uh exactly how they do in home alone so that is, no paint cans at least yeah <laughs> exactly um 
a light bulb, exploding light bulbs, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're peppering the house for, uh, you know, an assault. And then, uh, uh, of course, uh, Silva's men come to assault, and they fall for all the tricks that they set up, and uh, they um, they dispose of, you know, I think it's like 10 or 12 guys, something, you know, this uh, group of guys, and, uh, you know, they're fighting and shooting, and they shoot up his Austin Martin. Yeah. Well, which, I mean, he so he used the Austin oh, Martin as a weapon, so he knew it was going to happen. Yeah, so they shoot that thing up, and it's it's so so painful to see that. But later on, they actually, after Silva properly shows up, after they dispatch these guys, he shows up in a helicopter. He's playing this this music, and I forget the name of that song, uh, but it's you know it's a it's a popular song, and he's just blaring that he's coming to get you, coming to yeah. see what's going on. Um, but while Silva actually shows up and is attacking the house. He tells the helicopter to blow up the car. So the car is shot up first, and then the helicopter comes, and then Silva's like, oh, yeah, that thing. Blow that up. <sighs> Such a painful thing to watch. Yeah. Um, Love that car. Yeah, because he shoots up the house, and uh, Evan and Kincaid are actually escaping at this point. And Bond's, uh, he's, you know, he, he's kind of setting up the house to explode, actually. But, yeah, there's this really... Yeah, when he, like, when he finally gives that order to blow up the car, um, uh, Silva's on the ground, and he, you know, motions towards the car to blow it up. They blow it up, and they cut back to Bond, who's, you know, he's setting up these gas tanks and stuff, and he's got this, like, horrible grimace on his face. Like, you know, they show, like, he's really pissed that he just blew up his car. Mm-hmm. And the music picks up a little bit, too. The, the Bond kind of snare music yeah. picks up. Like, and you can tell that things are getting yeah. things are getting tense. Yeah, you don't mess with a man's car like that. <laughs> uh, and you can tell they're kind of hitting at that. So, um, Bond rigs the house to explode. Uh, it explodes and uh, takes out quite a few of Silva's guys. And then uh, we're kind of onto this uh, slower chase scene because uh, at this point, Bond is um, he went underneath the house to uh, escape from the explosion. And, uh, but Silva sees that M and Kincaid have escaped and he sees their light, you know, in the distance. That drives me nuts every time. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you're running a... away and you have a flashlight yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that is, a, <laughs> it is ridiculous. Uh, but so Silva sees this and he starts heading in their direction. So, and then, uh, Bond's kind of trying to catch up with Silva and, uh, they get in this scene where, you know, to take a shortcut, you know, Bond tries to cut over some uh, uh, frozen lake, but uh, Silva kind of catches him halfway across the lake, and um, uh, Bond ends up having to fight uh, a goon and, uh, in the water, in the frozen waters. While uh, Silva makes his way over to, uh, he makes it to M. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see this really, like, you know, Bond's, you know, fighting this guy in the ice. And while we see Silva's meeting M, you know, finally front face to face with her. And he, he is a creepy, creepy guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you can tell he's got all these issues with her and, you know, he's acting really strange around her. And, um, you know, she, she is clearly terrified. So we're rooting for Bond to get out and he does, he, he defeats the guy in the water and, 
gets back, um, gets out of the water. Uh, and then we cut back again to Silva and M. And uh, Silva's got a gun up to his head and M's head. You know, and he, he's going to kill them both at the same time. He's a deeply disturbed individual. Um, until Bond saves the day yet again. And uh, using an old-fashioned knife. And whips a knife right in the back of Silva. Which I, I love the face that like Silva makes <laughs> when it happens. I really uh-huh. like that. And then Bond's little quip, last rat standing. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. You know, because Bond always says cool things like that. Uh, but then, you know, I thought this was actually a twist for me. Uh, we find we realized that M M's not gonna make it. Yep, she took a she got shot earlier when they were being attacked. Yeah, and, and that that injury seems to be too much for her to be able to sustain. Yeah, and she you know she's an older lady, so it makes sense. Uh, uh, but yeah, she she dies in Bond's um, arms. Uh, it was a pretty powerful like death scene. Um, I liked a lot of scenes, you know, especially in action movies. Like, who are, if someone's dying in someone's arms, they always have like all these things to say before they die. She doesn't have a whole lot, to, you know. She doesn't have a lot to say. She, all she says, you know, the last things that come out is uh, she says at least I did, I, I got one thing right, and she's looking mm-hmm. at Bond. You know, because Bond's, you know, she had a lot of trust in Bond in the last couple of movies and this movie. And uh, I think she was right, you know, too. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always sad because she's been Bond ever since Goldeneye. Uh, so, and that was always the weird carryover. If if Casino was a true reboot, then why is the, the same Bond? But uh, she, I've always liked her as M, honestly. So that's going to be sad to see her gone now. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, she passes away, and then we kind of see them restructuring uh, the whole, you know, char- all the characters into what their future roles will be for future movies. Because um, mm-hmm. we're back in London, and uh, first we see uh, Money Penny is going to be the secretary, um, you know, into her uh, her role, and uh, Mallory is going to be the new M. Which I, you know, I, I, it's like, I, I should have realized, like, Mallory, M, you know, should have realized that earlier, but yeah, so he's gonna be the new M. And, uh, you know, he he asked, you know, like, one of the last words, your scenes is, he asked Bond if he's ready, and he's like, absolutely, like, you know, and Bond's looking good at the end of the movie, he's looking rested, it's like, that's, you know, I feel like this movie... It was an awesome movie, but it also kind of did a clean slate where it's like Bond's just going to go out to kick some butt now mm-hmm. for future movies. Yep, so then we get the gun barrel sequence at the end and the credits roll. Yeah, which, you know, I, I thought the gun barrel scene, like, definitely bought, like, you know, all the way around, you know, tons of callbacks to older movies, and uh, I like that. So, Skyfall's done. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean... We just talked about the whole, you know, the whole, we're, I think we're both passionate about this movie. It's the best one out of the three. I think we both can agree on that. Um, a great movie, and everyone should take a, uh, take give it a chance. Yeah, definitely. I think if you haven't seen Skyfall, definitely, definitely give it a watch. Especially, I mean, our discussion really doesn't do it justice because I mean we definitely talk about the way things were filmed, the colors, the vibrance of different scenes, 
the acting was really great. Javier Bardem was uh, Silva. He did a great job as a villain. Um, I definitely think it's one of the best Bond villains in recent memory. Uh, and it's 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 a great movie, and I'm, I'm excited to see where they take it from here with Spectre. Uh, and we see that later this year. So definitely uh, hoping to see a continuation of the Quantum storyline, as well as with all these new players that we met here with Q, with the new M, Money Penny. Uh, hopefully they can all uh, make a return, and that bond is the bond that we meet at the end of Skyfall. Yeah. So what do you think? So if you were to rank Casino, Quantum, and Skyfall, how do you think you would do it? What's, what's your number one, two, and three? Start with three from the bottom. Um, so last week I thought, I said I thought Casino might have been better than, or, uh, Quantum might have been better than Casino, but I'm gonna go back on that. I'm gonna say, um... <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a flip-flopper. Leave me alone. <laughs> and, uh, I'm gonna say Skyfall's my number one, uh, Casino's my number two, and Quantum's my number three. I gotta have to mirror that, because Skyfall is just so good. It's an excellent movie. It's, it's a celebration of Bond. I mean, you know, they, they... They said that this was a celebration of 50 years. It really was. Um, the acting was really good. It was a good story, excellent, well-written. Casino is my uh, number two, and then uh, Quantum after that. Uh, and it, neither of them are bad movies. I would watch all of them again, but Skyfall I could watch a lot a lot more frequently than, definitely than Quantum. Casino is still a great movie on its own, too. Um, so I definitely, there's a a very small gap in between my number one and my number two, uh, where there's a bigger gap between my number two and my number three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the end of our look for now at Daniel Craig's, uh, Bond, uh, uh, turn. So hopefully you enjoyed our little look back at Bond and we will return. Uh, just like James Bond will return, we will return uh, when Spectre comes out later this year. At our uh, look at our continuing look at James Bond at that point. But next week we will also return, um, and we will be talking about Final Fantasy VII. So we're going to take a little bit of a break uh, from discussing movies, um, and we'll talk about Final Fantasy VII, the PlayStation game. You could also play it on Steam currently, um, and just. Do some overall discussions on that. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite games. I know um, Justin said it was one of his favorite games too. So uh, we look forward to that next week. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to get. To, can't wait to talk about that. Um, and we talk about that next week. Um, we do want to ask a question of our uh, listeners because um, we're hoping to get a little feedback. And uh, uh, we got a question for our listeners this week. Um, you can answer us at. Uh, entertaining pod on twitter um but out of the uh daniel craig movies uh what's your favorite um or even if you want to just let us know what's your favorite james bond period uh movie period yeah um i mean i've only seen the daniel craig movies but um uh nathan's you know he's seen all the other movies so you know we'd love to hear back from you about what you think about the bond movies um and if you're excited for uh specter let us know yeah so, yeah, either tweet at us at EntertainingPod, uh, or if you want to take a little bit more of a long-form answer, uh, shoot us an email over at that'sentertaining at gmail.com. Um, and last week I mentioned that, you know, I had something to give away. So, and I was saying the criteria to get there to figure out what we were going to do to give it away was that we got 20 Twitter followers. 
Well, as of yesterday, we have 20, and I think I checked today we had 21, so that's good. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and give away, uh, for Xbox One, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So uh, to enter, uh, just be following Entertaining Pod on Twitter, and tweet at Entertaining Pod with the hashtag Entertaining Code, and tell, tell us what your favorite video game from last year was. Uh, any video game you know that you played in 2014 or that was released in 2014, whatever your favorite game from last year was, uh, we'll pick it random uh, and we'll uh, announce on the show as well as on Twitter uh, who won. So looking forward to giving away Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, <clears throat> as always, you know, follow us um, at Entertainment Pod. Obviously, you have to if you want to enter the contest. Um, and uh, review us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever service you're using if it has a ranking system please review us or give us stars or whatever uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to get some feedback about the show we've been this is our fifth episode now so we're a month in uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from people so please review us rate us let us know what you're thinking and yep. yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week Yep, thanks to everybody for listening. Again, you can contact us on Twitter at EntertainingPod or shoot us an email at that'sentertaining at gmail.com, T-H-A-T-S-E-N-T-E-R-T-A-I-N-I-N-G at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter. I am at SithNightmare. And I am at JPicky86, P-I-C-K-Y-86. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for us uh, for this week. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys again next time.